Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am Phantom Troublemaker, and I am your host for this ride into the world of the brand new DC film universe. That's right. This episode, we're going to be talking about Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and I am going to keep this intro short and sweet. Because once again, I'm having to record, edit, and produce this thing the night before it releases. Because my work schedule has been uncompromising and harsh. I want to talk about a couple of things before we get to the episode. Which features myself, our head of research Ryan, and belligerent monkey Jay Hornsby talking about Batman vs. Superman. Uh, first, I want to talk about my new phone. I have a Samsung Galaxy S7 phone. Uh, we came up for a renewal. Me and the wife went to the Verizon store. We got our new phones. So far, I'm digging it. It's not blowing my mind. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm not like, wow, this is a magical new phone. But it takes incredible pictures. It's a lot faster than my old phone because obviously it doesn't have as much shit stored on it. But I'm digging it so far. It's working for me. It's not the amazing step up that the S4 was back when we first got it. But it's definitely a solid phone. It's pretty big. I've got uh, this, the case that I got for it has a little thing on the back so you can prop it up to record video or watch video, I guess. Uh, and I, I like the case, but it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of phone right now. I'm getting used to it. Another thing I want to talk about is how we go about this episode. A lot of guys that I have a lot of respect for and enjoy and love talking to absolutely fucking hate Batman versus Superman. They hate Zack Snyder. They hate everything that's going on with the DC film universe right now. And they're very negative on this movie. And I didn't, I wasn't interested in doing a show with argument and just constant, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. You know, like, that's not interesting to me. I highly recommend. You check out deathpaw.com, which is where my good buddy, Red Ranger, Sean R. Reed, is potentially going to be posting his uber-negative hate cast about Batman versus Superman, but I had no interest in doing that. I wanted to have a conversation about the movie. I wanted to talk about the good, and I wanted to talk about the bad, because there's both, and they need to be discussed. I was not interested in just shitting on Zack Snyder for two hours. Uh, which, granted, don't get me wrong, is a totally worthy pursuit because that guy, uh, not uh, exactly a bag of gold. But I wanted to have Ryan and Jay on because I know we're kind of on the same page. We have the same wavelength. And I knew we would be able to appreciate what was good about the movie and talk rationally about what was bad about the movie. So that's what we do in this episode. I think you guys are going to dig it. I think maybe you'll see some things pointed out about Batman versus Superman that maybe you didn't notice. I think we're very realistic about the good and the bad. I think it's a good episode, and I definitely enjoyed recording it. Uh, and really, the only other thing I have to talk about in this intro, because i got to get down to it, because i got to get this thing edited and done and ready to post, 
Uh, I apologize for the shortness of this intro if you guys do enjoy the intros, but I promise next week I'll be back with a little bit more of the good intro stuff you're used to. But of course, I want to put over Patreon. Patreon.com slash Phantom Troublemaker. Please go check it out. Visit it. There's some great rewards. Uh, help support me. Help support the show. Help support NeedlessThingsSite.com, which in addition to iTunes' Stitcher and Stitcher, is where you can find the Needless Things podcast. This thing isn't free. I pay out of pocket to support the website, to support everything we do on the website, to pay the hosting fees for the podcast, to pay the hosting fees for the images on NeedlessThingsSite.com. It all costs money. And if I want to expand any further, if I want to take the Dirty Dirty Con Con Game Game Show Show out to other cons, if I want to take the Needless Things podcast out to other cons, I need the support of you guys that listen to the show, that enjoy it. Do you want to meet Phantom Troublemaker? Do you want to meet the Needless Things Irregulars? Do you want us at a convention near you? Please go check out patreon.com slash phantom troublemaker and find out what level you're comfortable supporting at. Everything from a dollar and up, and there are rewards all along the way. Everything from original art to advertising on NeedlessThingsSite.com and the Needless Things podcast. So go check it out. I, I'm not comfortable asking you guys for money. I'm not. I don't like doing it. But if I want this Phantom Troublemaker thing, if I want this Needless Things thing to get any bigger, I need your help. Because I've done as much as I can. I've paid as much out of my own pocket as I realistically can. So if I'm going to grow, I need your help. So if you enjoy the show, if you can help out, help out. If you can't help out, just spread the word. Post up a link to the Patreon page wherever you know cool people hang out. Uh, honestly, people that I know I'm not counting on a whole lot because you guys do what you can do. I'm looking more at the people who are out there to support cool independent projects. And NeedlessThingsSite.com, five days out of the week, we give you original content that can't be found anywhere else. And this is thoughtful stuff. We write original pieces. We're not creating links to other websites. We're not regurgitating opinions from other places on the Internet. This is all original thought. This is all stuff that we believe in. So if you believe in us, visit patreon.com slash phantom troublemaker. Check it out. See what you can do. If you can help out, I'd appreciate it. So today's show, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, the holy trinity of Phantom Troublemaker, Ryan Schweck, and belligerent monkey Jay Hornsby taking this movie to task for all the wrongs and giving it props for all the rights. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, next week, I'll be back with a little more intro. Thanks, guys.
talk other superhero stuff. Uh, before we do, though, I, of course, have to introduce the panel. Welcome back to the show, Needless Things Head of Research, Mr. Ryan Schweck. Hello. Good evening, everybody. I hope you have some tasty tidbits about Batman versus Superman to share with us tonight. I don't know if they're tasty. But... <laughs> and uh, joining us as well, the belligerent monkey, Jay Hornsby. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Always uh, glad to be here. Uh, th- this is the crew I wanted to discuss this because I know uh, with the three of us, there are no, you know, we're all pretty open-minded. We go into stuff wanting to like it. Uh, we don't have a hate agenda. We're not going to sit down and just make a list of, of the shit. All three of us are pretty rational and capable of appreciating uh, the the diamonds buried in the rough, as it were. And this movie has been more divisive than anything I've seen in quite some time. And you do have people who absolutely hate it. You have the people who hate Zack Snyder and everything that he's done. And there's just no, you know, if you hate his aesthetic and his style, then you're, you're kind of done with, with this and with Justice League. Maybe there's hope for the rest of the DC film universe. I hate to call it the DC cinematic universe because that kind of <laughs> seems like, well, one, they'd be stealing Marvel's gig. And two, this is nothing like the Marvel cinematic universe. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I knew you guys would, uh, be the, fair and balanced as it were so we're going to have just a discussion about the good and the bad and i think there was plenty of both of those things (laughs) definitely yeah uh but what i want to do is kind of start from start at the beginning and just run through the movie but before we do that i want to talk a little bit about our expectations for the movie coming out of man of steel knowing what man of steel was just real quick was this basically what you expected tonally, story-wise, and uh, just an execution? I, it was exactly what I was expecting to happen. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Man of Steel. Um, not from the general reasons people seem to dislike it. You know, I I understand having a somewhat darker Superman. That's fine. I get it. I think there's a lot more interesting things they could have done with the character. But, you know, and I thought that – I also wasn't upset about him killing people. You know, that's a learning curve thing. I think it you know, it was obviously an interesting story that kind of dovetailed into this movie. I hate the Kents with a passion. Like <laughs> what they did to Paul Kent and like the, how the they – The nihilist Kents. Yeah, and it, it carried over into this movie. When he showed up, my mouth dropped open. I was like, we are really going to continue <laughs> asshole Paul Kent giving bad lessons to his son. <laughs> Here we go. And like, but I mean, as far as like the action and the visuals and the kind of weird tone of it, you know, it's what I expected. The action, I'd say the action in this one was a lot better than I thought it was going to be as far as how they handled fight scenes with Batman and stuff. I thought he made a big leap from Man of Steel to this one as far as showing what was happening and being more focused until the CGI nightmare of the last 20 minutes. But. Yeah, I think I agree with about half of what you just said. Um, uh, there was a lot of stuff I had issues with for Man of Steel. Uh, the, the, the Kents, I totally hated. Uh, the, uh, the all the death, I wasn't a big fan of. Um, and uh, so, but what got me was I think one of the teaser trailers 
that showed, uh, I think Batman running toward the dust cloud, you know, being, you know, seeing Superman doing all the destruction. And that really kind of had me cautiously optimistic. Um, I, I was hoping it was, a uh, going to be a little lighter, uh, than it was, but, uh, it, it pretty much was exactly what I expected. Uh, good, good and bad. Um, so I guess it, it fulfilled my, uh, somewhat lowered expectations. Overall, I, overall, I dug Man of Steel. I go into these things knowing that they're not going to be done the way that I would do them. And I think that's a problem a lot of people have setting aside expectations or setting aside, well, this is the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Because, And I understand that. I get it. We've all grown up with these characters our entire lives. Like Batman and Superman... Even though I'm not necessarily a huge fan of Superman, both of them have have been part of me my entire life in a way that no Marvel character, except maybe Spider-Man, has. Mm-hmm. Sure, from Super Friends all the way through yes. uh, animated series to, to Batman '66 to you know the the Christopher Reeve movie. To, I mean, it's it's been omnipresent in my life, uh, just as much as like Star Wars, uh, perhaps I, more so. I think one of the things that happened with Man of Steel and happened with this movie, and it's not just that this is happening. It's been happening in the comics now for a decade at least. Sure. Is this, uh, you know, what they call on the internet, the problem with Superman. It's like we took the Dark Knight Returns, and all of a sudden everybody liked it so much that all of a sudden fandom got into their head that, you know, Superman now is this ideal that can never be and he's out of touch and, you know, he's the big blue boy scout and he just doesn't fit in with these times, which, you know, is a somewhat valid point I think can be difficult. But instead of using that as a story point where at this point you could almost make Superman a Captain America character to where you have a guy who grew up in a Midwestern farm raised by these really nice people, make him an aw shucks farm boy. And you can have him be the Boy Scout and show that as a reflection of how society and how the rest of the superheroes are. Well, that's... And instead, we took they took Superman and they tried to change him. And I think that's been the big mistake. Yes, we, I, we, I agree. You know what I mean? Like we we started to look down on Superman for being the good guy, and that's a problem. Like well, if you can't write around how a good guy reacts to everything, but instead you have everyone else saying what an idiot he is, that's a writer's problem. Well, Chris, yeah, they also Christopher Reeves, too. Like, uh, you know, it seems like as a response, they also they also want to make him seem darker than he really is to try and make him fit in with, you know, other characters or other uh, ideals that they're going for. But that's the tone that's kind of pervading in DC Comics in general. Absolutely. They They really like this darker supposedly more realistic, which I, I would argue with that, uh, tone, and that's their gig. I mean, I mean, it just, it, well, comics in general, I say DC, but Marvel's just as guilty of it because let's be honest, their movies are a lot brighter and more optimistic than their comics are. Uh, and that's why I think, like, why not take, if you're going to have that darker, like, universe, why not make Superman even more alien? Yes. By having him be the ultimate good guy, that, and people just don't understand that. Well, yeah, and he doesn't understand people either, where he doesn't understand why people are dark or evil. 
that you know he's again he's the ultimate boy scout in playoff well you would have to be careful with that tone because it would get to a point where he looked too naive and stupid but but i think there's a way to make him hopeful and aspirational without making him too like golly gee why would you do that fella yeah, uh, and there, there's a way to do it. It's just, you're right, Ryan, it's it's lazy writing that keeps people from doing it. But, so the bottom line is Man of Steel was much more grim than the Superman movie we would want, but it did deliver an interesting Superman story, and one of the key elements of this new universe is the world's distrust of this godlike savior, which is th- something I do like. I really dig the concept of the fear and the hope that he inspires. I think that's something that they've done well. And see, I kind of like went back and forth that because I got that, that they were doing that and that it is an interesting angle to go for. But then there was like the statue they built of him and there was like other stuff that I was like, well, do we, sometimes I felt like I didn't really understand what people thought of him. Well, it's both. I mean, the world at large, because you see it, it it really almost seemed like to me and and i just i've seen batman versus superman twice now uh and the second time around i was able to pick up some some smaller story points a little bit better because i already knew the overarching tale uh and i picked up things like how from the very be- very first time we see lex luthor he's setting that fight up uh that runs through the whole movie it's very interesting to see some of the little things that he drops uh and to me, it seems almost like a class story in that the world at large, the average everyday citizen thinks of Superman as a hero. They're happy enough that he's out there doing good, saving people, but then you have the government and the higher-ups and the rich that don't trust Superman because they're uncomfortable because this is somebody that is not only more powerful than they are, but that has a power they can't even can't even compete with mm-hmm. like that seemed to be the tale to me is that 99% 1% whatever it is the class thing which I think is somewhat of an accurate way to portray that mm-hmm. because you think- saw, when he's rescuing people when he goes down to Sao Paulo and rescues the little girl at the day of the dead festival everybody there is thrilled they're all happy mm-hmm. to see him there's no go away Superman uh and I wish they would have given us a little more of that. Well, I think I, – I understand. I mean we were already looking at what, a two-and-a-half-hour runtime. But and it would have been difficult. But even like a montage of – I mean show me get a damn cat out of a tree. I know they're by – that's one of the ones they they point out all the time. But you know, show him doing a little more. Well, and, and that's – let's let's start at the beginning because uh, we'll, we'll run through all of this stuff. Let's start with the opening of the movie, which is the – to some – Needless, once again, depiction of the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. Hey, you can't have a Batman movie without them getting murdered and put it in the ground. It's uh, part of the contract of Bob Kane. Well, here's here's my take on this particular presentation. And I have my original take, and then there was something that was added to it that I, I hadn't really thought about. My take is this murder of the Waynes is different from any other one we've seen from the comics, the movies or whatever in that Thomas Wayne goes after the robber. He actively is trying to take his gun away and stop this from happening. He gets shot. Once he's shot, even Martha Wayne lunges at him trying to stop this. This Bruce Wayne 
that is in this world sees both of his parents killed trying to stop crime, instead of just standing there and being complete victims, they're taking action. They're, they're much more, uh, proactive than any Waynes we've ever seen. And I thought that was a very interesting and subtle difference. And I thought that alone was worth showing this again, uh, just to see that this is a little different Batman. Right. Well, and I thought of it too. Like, I know everybody's complaining about that, you know, showing it again. But think of a kid that's like five years old right now. You know, Justice League is going to come out in two years. And so that child, you know, who may see Justice League then is probably going to watch this movie on DVD or Blu ray or, you know, whatever magical technology we have in two years. <laughs> right. Brain, that, brain cast. That may be the first time they see that. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to go back and watch Batman Begins or, or Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's one of those things, again, that fans like to forget. Like, this is why a lot of fans don't get generated sometimes because we, as comic book fans, have seen these stories so many times that we forget that there needs to be new people coming in and seeing it. Um, I think that's and, uh, a great point. I think the other thing too with that scene is that – and we'll get to it later – is you have to have that scene to see him emotionally react there for the fight scene later to tie back. Like that's your callback to right. the beginning of the movie. And, well, and Martha. It right. Sets, it sets up Martha. I mean, they, yeah. That, yeah I didn't without that, that scene, that, the, the scene at the end would, wouldn't make any sense. They, they had to have that in there in order to uh, – Make it uh, uh, understand why he hesitates and does what he does. And also, this this sets up, uh, which in my opinion is unfortunate, a a an overwhelming and excessive number of dream sequences for the movie. Because watching this the first time, you know, we see Bruce running away from the funeral, falls down the hole, the bats come out, and then the bats. Fly him up magically out of the hole, and at the first time I watched this, I was like, "Wait, what the fuck is this?" And then <laughs> yeah. it says in the dream, they bring me to the light. And you're like, "Oh, this is a dream." Okay, little did I know how many more dreams that would be utterly confusing. Yeah, I, I, when I first saw it, I initially thought like maybe I was misunderstanding what I was seeing. Maybe it was <laughs> right. the, the angle, like he was, it was trying to show him from the floor, and he was looking up. But then the longer it went along, I realized, like, no, he's magically flying away with the bats. Uh, But he he does say, you know, uh, in the dream, they lift me to the light. Which, granted, in the context of Batman, makes zero sense. But one of the things, and I, I totally understand people who cannot deal with this, who cannot accept this. One of the things that has helped me enjoy these movies more is just accepting that Zack Snyder is very much style over substance, that there are going to be a lot of things that happen in his movies because he thinks they look cool yeah, or yeah. sound cool or you whatever. Can, uh, point to Sucker Punch yes. as a perfect example oh my gosh, of all yeah. the worst aspects of that. And, oh. and it's I'm not saying it's okay, but I'm saying I want to enjoy superhero movies, and these things to me are not deal-breakers. No, I wouldn't do it if I was making the movie, but I'm not making the movie. And I I want to sit back and enjoy it so I can deal with Snyder's jacking off onto the yeah. cellular. I mean, and I, I do like, I mean, he, he does have a certain style, and I do like a lot of it. Um, I, if it was me, again, I probably would have taken out uh, half the slow-mo 
<laughs> there was seemed to be a lot of unnecessary uh, slow motion shots, but uh, I think he definitely has a vision for stuff. And you know, when it looks cool, it looks really cool. So we get that dream sequence to open up, and then we go into an extended Jeep commercial. <laughs> <laughs> And this is something. <laughs> yeah, I totally bought a Jeep today. I don't know why. I just felt, uh, well, they, they literally made a Batman versus Superman edition Jeep. Yeah, and the commercial uh, for it is that scene. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so you know, I enjoyed the scene though with Bruce going in because that was Batman's fuck. It's yeah, hundred yeah, <laughs> like, percent. Yes. I think uh, uh, we'll get to it later, but I mean, I think Batman definitely is one of the better things they did. But yeah, that like him rushing into the face of danger. Yes, not not thinking twice about it, only wanting to get get in there. The but, hope of just being able to maybe save one person. Exactly, I think that that was awesome. And was, and yeah. the, did anyone else get thrown off when he like went to lift up the guy and he was like, "What's your name?" And he was like, "My name's Wally." And I was like, "Oh God, have they destroyed Wally West legs like well, five they, minutes into this movie?" We'll, we'll get to some of the destruction that Zack Snyder did in the name of fun. Yeah, I, and that I didn't even catch at the time. I'm sure it's the same thing we'll talk about in a minute, but I didn't even catch that in real time. It was only after the fact that I was like, holy shit, they did that? And again, for fun. Yeah. For fun for the fans to have a fan favorite character get killed. Well, it wasn't Wally, though. They said it no, the other guy. No, 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 I'm, I'm talking about the next scene, which we'll, we'll get to. First, I want to talk a little bit about the Jeep race. Uh, the, the, the driving the Jeep, a little excessive. Uh, we, we could have trimmed a couple of minutes there probably, but to me, it was worth the build up to the best angry face I've ever seen in a movie ever. <laughs> My gosh. If, if Ben Affleck's face when he's holding that little girl and watching Superman fight Zod doesn't give you enough reason for this movie to happen, then the, go ahead, tap out. You don't have to watch anymore. Fine, but yeah, holy they, shit! I think that was from the a teaser, and that's one of the things that uh, really uh, got me on board, excited for the movie. Uh, was that that whole scene with him, ch- you know, running into the smoke, running into the destruction, and his old little girl, and then looking up and like watching Superman and Zod, like uh, being thrown through buildings left and right, and just more destruction, you know, left and right. Uh, and that just, was definitely great, man. That and that angry face. Yeah. Holy shit! Well, you know man, that scene though. I was so distracted because you know then they look up and you see him, Zod and Superman, flying through the building or whatever. In the back of my head, I just remember God. That action scene was filmed so crappily in Man of Steel. <laughs> like it took me right back to how terrible that part of Man of Steel is. Well, and that's the problem is that camera. Like, oh, we can't just let a camera be. We have to zoom in and zoom out and <laughs> back and forth. And but it's so. It's such shitty filmmaking, but yeah. we're not here to, well, we're not. It, it kind of worked for me uh, in the opposite effect because that, that was one of the parts I didn't care about, uh, for Man of Steel. Like it, when I was initially watching it, all I could think about was like, holy shit, how many people are dying right now as they're just, you know, throwing each other through buildings. So, uh, uh, seeing the other side of it, I thought that was very effective. Uh, and kind of a callback to one of the issues I had with uh, Man of Steel. Well, and especially seeing, the individual people in Wayne Financial with the heat vision blasting up through the floor and to, like seeing that was particularly poignant. And it, some people have complained about that. Do we really have to revisit this? Yes, stupid. That's the yeah. whole point. Yeah, it's kind of the whole point of why Batman <laughs> right. hates him so much. That yes. would be the plot of the movie. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, 
It, it was it was a very effective sequence to me. It set it up. It was a good job. I dug it. Uh, and then we go to the murder of Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, that's, that's CIA, CIA agent Jimmy. Yes, CIA agent Jimmy <laughs> Olsen. I didn't even catch that in real time. Well, it he's was not. Only he's a not couple named. Days later, after I saw the movie and saw the, uh, he, he's not named in the movie. Um, because the, the, what happened is uh, there's a cut scene where he says, uh, "Hey, Miss Lane, my name is Jimmy Olsen. I'm a photographer for whatever he is." Uh, and Zack Snyder, his comment about that is, "I thought it would be fun to bring in a character people knew." And murder his face. Right. And, and there are a couple of comments where Snyder has said something about, we thought it would be fun, that involved like murder and carnage. So that tells you where the guy is. Yeah. Uh, am I mistaken? I thought they made Jimmy Olsen a female in the, in Man of Steel. I thought that, uh, there was a female Olsen, a photographer for Man of Steel. Uh, it could have been Jane Olsen. Who knows? Okay. Yeah, because I, 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 I thought I remember seeing some uh, article about it about how they, you know, they were trying to change things up. Or maybe it's, you know, it's a new world out there. Maybe Jane underwent an operation. We don't know. Things happen. Different things with different characters. Uh, so we're in the desert with Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen visiting a terrorist for. Somewhat unspecified reasons. This yeah. whole scene to me is very confusing and shot sloppily and a missed opportunity because, yes, and- the end result needs to be Superman uh, making an unsanctioned appearance to save Lois Lane. I get that. Right. But- well, I was confused about it as well. It, it's, it's not only that he made an unsanctioned appearance, but people think that he pulled out a gun and shot eight people. Right. It could have been, why not have a similar situation in Metropolis and Man of Steel where Superman has no choice but to throw some tanks around, tear some Jeeps in half, and as a result of, and, you know, maybe show him making a point of sparing human life, grabbing a guy, tying him up, but make it a big epic battle where Superman is being heroic instead of being kind of a snarky hipster boyfriend guy. Uh, you know, make this into an event, make it feel big, because at the time I didn't understand the significance of this scene at all. Yeah, well, what's weird too is like Lex Luthor's goon squad is also there. So, you know, so how how did they get Lois Lane there? Like, hey, why right. don't you come meet this terrorist? Who does, also, who this does weird. Well, who does Lois think those guys are supposed to be? Who does the terrorist think those guys are supposed to be? Like, what is the dynamic here? Who are these people? And they, they give us none of that. And it would have been one thing if we had had that big Superman altercation that made it clear they're bad guys here that have to be dealt with. But instead, we just get these weird random gun dudes on motorcycles uh, it, w- it was a little incoherent, and I think it was all done in service of Superman making the big save without yeah. understanding how to make Superman look heroic. Yeah, it him not doing international law. <laughs> right. It also set up like the many instances of him dropping what he's doing and uh, spying spy on Lois, essentially. Unless, unless the problem runs in and saves her. Unless the script calls for him to not be aware of what Lois is doing, which right. we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Now you do know we do know one of the guys in that scene. I'm trying to find his name. The t- 
terrorist that shows up several times that's there. There he is. I was looking up his name because I can remember his actual name in the comment. But the Russian guy, that is none other than KG Beast. Get the fuck out of here. Absolutely. The guy with the tattoos that's in yeah, through the whole Anatoly, movie? Anatoly. There's his name. I found it. Anatoly Canavas. Okay, that's I, the KG Beast. I knew I recognized nice. the name. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so he's dead now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we will never get to experience KG Beast show up. Damn it. In another movie. <laughs> uh Okay, so Chris Sims must be pumped. Yeah, uh, well, uh, Chris, sorry. Chris Sims, yeah, that guy. Um, Can I say the uh, the veil of your number one uh, researcher is uh, taken off a little bit as oh, yeah. I watch him Google stuff on top <laughs> as we're talking. Well, so, yeah, for the listeners, <laughs> the pre- uh, preparedness of this is yeah. really <laughs> oh, I totally do. For the you listeners. For the listeners, Jay and Ryan are actually occupying the same space out of town, uh, which led to some some uh, excellent technical machinations on their part in order to make this podcast happen. Absolutely. So well, out of town on for that. one of us, in town for the other. You, uh, well, yeah, that's the- true. You're right. You're right. Um, now, my other question, too. Yes. So we have all these people in the desert upset because we killed terrorists like shouldn't like wouldn't we all be pumped like yeah superman went out and he killed some terrorists right. <laughs> and then, like terrorizing this small town in, in the middle east <laughs> and instead, yeah. like boo superman why did you kill these terrorists they were the good terrorists that kidnapped the cia agent in lois lane like wait what <laughs> like so we get next uh we go i believe next we go to lex luthor or excuse me Next, we go to Alexander Luthor, and once again, for people that are determined to hate on this movie, at least hate on it properly, because this movie establishes that Jesse Eisenberg is playing Alexander Luthor, and that his father, Lex, is the one that started LexCorp, and is the big man in charge, and that we don't know why he's not here. Lex makes a, or Alexander makes a reference to him being, uh, to, to being an orphan. Which suggests that Lex is at the very least parts unknown at this point. But this, technically Jesse Eisenberg is not playing Lex Luthor. He is playing Alexander Luthor. And I, and I'm very curious to hear you guys take on this. I loved Eisenberg's character. Yeah. Uh, I did not like him. If, if they intended for him to be the Lex Luthor that we know, I didn't like it. But he was a fantastic villain. He was different. He was interesting. And every second he was on screen, I found compelling. Well, what I kind of thought they were going for, too, that I can't believe I haven't seen people talk about, is that the end of that movie is based on Death of Superman. At that point in Superman comics, Lex Luthor was Alexander Luthor, who had the hair like that. The red hair, remember he was a clone of Luther? Or something. Yeah, like I thought, well, that's what we're yeah. doing. And I was about to be like, well, he might just be a clone of Lex, and we're going to see real Lex somewhere later. Oh, no, that's interesting. He, for all we know, he's a clone. Yeah, I, I, uh, I ended up liking him quite a bit. I was not a big fan of him from the uh, trailer. Uh, I was a little uh, spotty on it, but then once I watched the movie, I thought he did a great job. I liked his weirdness. I, and, and you know what? There are lots of different things that could explain his sort of increasing dementia over the course of the movie. If he's a clone, that certainly could explain, you know, deterioration. Well, that was of the part brain. of the comics was that, uh, you know, he started out as uh, trying to be the good guy. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, you guys are going to know that a whole lot better than I did because I, I literally <laughs> read 
the death of Superman issue and that was it. Uh, cause I've, I've never really followed the Superman comic book a whole lot. So you guys definitely have a, a better insight on that than I do. Sure. For a while, like, you know, he was like, uh, an ally of Supergirl and he was kind of like, you know, trying to make up for his, uh, his, uh, father's sins. Then later on you find out that he's a clone, uh, and he progressively gets crazier and crazier. Um, uh, and so kind of knowing that and knowing that he wasn't truly Lex, um, I, I, I thought he was great. Um, as much as I was prepared to absolutely hate him, uh, just from the little bit of he was in the trailers. Uh, once I watched the movie, I, I, I was a big fan all the way through. Well, and again, they made a point, uh, at least three times in the movie of calling him Alexander. And, and I mean, they, they made it clear. And I right. thought, so I, I dug that. Yeah, I think if you read the comics, you, you know there's a big difference between Lex and Alexander. Well, and do you really think people wanted to see the same old Lex? boring, straight businessman? Yeah, I, I think they made a wise decision to try and go a different direction with it. So, we meet Alexander Luthor, uh, and we very quickly, in, in what I thought was a very effective scene, we meet Holly Hunter, who is a, a senator who I think honestly has the best interest of the people at heart, but is maybe going about it the wrong way. Like she's not a glory hound. She's not persecuting Superman just to make herself look better. She's genuinely concerned. I think she's a good person. And then we meet other dude who I'm not too clear on who he was or what he was, but He's willing to work with Alexander Luthor to create this deterrent against the metahuman threat. Because one of the one of the plots of the movie that I thought was interesting was Luthor having to kind of work his way through uh, the right avenues to get kryptonite into the and country, the and it's ship. and it's all part of his grand scheme. But I, I thought it was very interesting the way that he was playing with these politicians and kind of uh, very easily interacting with the highest levels of power, even though he's kind of a nutbag. I like them showing up. I like the scene where Holly Hunter shows up at his house and they're sitting there just having a conversation. Like, to me, that was great shorthand for just how powerful LexCorp is. Yeah, and overall, I like the painting allegory a lot. Yes, and it was... That was really nice. Yes, we, we, and there was so much in this movie. I really think, and look, I'm a guy who very much feels that any movie should stand on its own merits, that you should be able to sit down and watch it, and it should stand on its own. But in this day and age, particularly with comic book properties, we know there's more down the road. We know they're world building, and I think several years from now, we're going to look back at this movie and be blown away by just how much was set up because we got in. Well, I guess we'll have to jump around a little bit because I, I, I don't yeah. want to run down the whole plot, but we've got mother boxes. We've got parademons. We've got Lex at the end of the movie, literally mimicking the mother box sound that we all know. Uh, they are setting up. For Dark Side, and we don't know when, we don't know how, but I think that is something else that can play into how crazy Alexander is. Can we uh, quickly talk about like how the introduction to some of the other characters? Let's do it. Let's do right. it. 
we'll break. Right, let's was... break this format down and just talk. All right, because we're, we're jumping around, but uh, yeah, we have to. I, you know, when they initially were under the sea looking for the kryptonite, like under I kept the thinking, sea, <laughs> I kept thinking like like I was looking for everything for any hint of Aquaman because I thought they were going to like make it like really subtle and just kind of you know right. do it. Little did I know that later on in the movie we're going to see that Lex the time to have some uh, graphic designers come up with logos for each individual hero and that we're going to watch a YouTube video of each one of them. Well, let's, let's uh, talk about that real quick because personally I thought that was an ingenious way to give these guys the cameos because I wasn't wasn't a big fan. I I thought Wonder Woman works. Uh, I thought Wonder Woman worked because, you know, she was searching for a picture uh, and then Ryan, I think you have a great story about what your son said about the picture, but, uh, 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 I, I thought she worked, then I just thought, uh, the rest of them should have stayed the way, just kind of with the logo, not necessarily gone through the thing. It just seemed kind of a little silly to me to sit there and watch YouTube videos. Well, but uh, the, the whole idea, what, because LexCorp is very much a part of the media, like it's, it's got its fingers in everything. And the idea that Lex has tapped into all of the uh, sort of Big Brother type things, you know, ATM cameras and and uh, deep sea uh, mining vessels and whatever else. I love the idea that his people have kind of found all of these little elements and put them together, and it worked with the way that Wonder Woman was brought into the movie is that Lex does have this file. And to me, this is a much more natural and reasonable way to bring these characters together than that they just happen to bump into each other or or whatever other story device you might have found. Like, I I really dig... Uh, and again, this is kind of setting up for the future, but I like the idea of now Batman has this mission. I've got to find these people. And I, I, I dug... That, that it was set up that way. All right, but here's my problem with it that I think of till later. All right, so we've got this file. You know, we have our four metahumans. Oh no, there's more metahumans. We got to figure it out. Batman's been around for 20 years. Suicide Squad, which appears to be based on guys that Batman has put away. We've seen Killer Croc, Enchantress, Katana. Like they're around. You have them locked up. Like, but we don't know. We when, know they're there. We don't know when that happens. We don't know how that's gone down. Um, and honestly, and, and, you know, there are too many questions about this universe we don't know. Yeah. But we don't know that Batman put that killer croc away. We don't know that Batman ever dealt with uh, any of the, the Suicide Squad people. We don't know when... His pursuit of Joker and Harley takes place. Well, we know like, what happens before this, though. We do. But, yeah, because he wrote on the Joker wrote on the Robin. Well, we know he de- we know he's dealt with Joker, but we don't know the context of any of that. Did he catch Joker and Harley five years before this movie happened, and they're you know wherever they are when Suicide Squad takes place? But maybe he hasn't directly dealt with actual metahumans because yeah. I think the metahuman theory, which I found this very interesting that they brought up in the movie, the metahuman theory, which is – and I don't know where the heck it comes from, but it's the idea that once the world is aware of one, others uh, come forth as well. They've, yeah. been, they've been living among us, among us in secrecy. So Superman first appeared 18 months ago. Now, yeah. Batman has been doing his thing in Gotham for 20 years. 
but we don't know that he's dealt with actual metahumans before, or maybe he didn't understand what a metahuman was. Maybe he ran into Killer Croc, but we got to admit, this Killer Croc is much more... He's much closer to the original Waylon Jones than what we see now that has a fucking tail and yeah. actually looks like a yeah, giant alligator. Yeah, alligator. Like, we we don't know the context of that yet. Yeah, and like, I think it kind of runs into one of the issues with they're going to have, and I think it's just one of those things you just kind of have to go with, that Batman has been operating for 20 years. And so, like, it's a weird, like, I get why they had to do it, but it it puts an odd, like... There's been all this superhero stuff going on already. And yeah, he's an urban myth, but after 20 years. Well, but they yeah, have. Well, you've seen super- the Joker killing. You've seen some dude dressed yeah, yeah, as a but clown. That's more around. like real world stuff, though. Like, I mean, he's, he, you know, in theory, he's dealing with more of the uh, regular crime, the mobsters and the psychos. And they like made. The, the, the penguin and like people that may, maybe that, you know, aren't necessarily metahumans, uh, but that are just, you know, criminals with a, but- an odd bent. To him. Because we've, we, you've got to admit, you know, Aquaman, Flash, Cyborg, Wonder Woman are a whole other level from Killer Croc. Like, they're not just mutants or something. These people have actual powers. And I felt like the movie made it pretty clear that Batman's been focused on Gotham. Yeah. Like, Gotham, Gotham is, is a fucking shithole. And he's been, he's one man has been busting his ass just to keep Gotham from going over the edge. So I'm, I'm okay with the, the, you know, 18 months ago is the first actual godlike metahuman we've seen. But are you telling me there's no like 80 year olds in a retirement home being like, look, in World War II, I was on a battlefield and this crazy bitch ran out with a shield and a sword and they were shooting at her and she was defending things. But why? And then we stopped and took a picture. But why would Batman care about your one thing about uh, what your son said about the picture? Oh yeah, we'll get to that. Wait till we get all the way down to the party. (laughs) So, uh. You know what the next scene though that I think kind of chronologically goes to that I just really want to go ahead and hit on? Yeah, yeah. You know, wonder, I mean, um, Lois Lane, she was very tired after her ordeal, and she was very dirty. <laughs> and she needed a bath. <laughs> All right, look, I, any opportunity I, – I can't argue this one. Any opportunity to get Amy Adams naked and in a bathtub – I, I would go for it. I thought they were going to show her boobs. They kept playing. Dude, it was she, close. They were like floating. And it, it, I was it, like, it, oh, it, God. It was close. It was – that was so awkward. Now, granted, if I didn't have an eight-year-old son that I was watching this movie with, I would have been like, fuck, yeah, I'm down with this. Can we see some nipple? But sitting but, there next to my eight-year-old son, I'm like, or wow. You're next to my nine-year-old daughter. This is really weird. Why does this scene have to be happening with her naked in a bathtub. Right. And then things got super. (laughs) Things did get super. Well, and okay. So have we established that they get it? Like, I feel like we've established that they do it. Yeah, absolutely. They have the sex. So I guess, so, so goes back to the mall rats, uh, argument. Right. uh, Clearly there's no shotgun blast. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, Paul can't cover some things. He can't cover being a superhero, but he can cover giving it to the reporter. Son, you know, these people, fuck them. You don't owe them anything, but here's some kryptonite condoms I had fashioned for yeah, you. Let me tell you what you can get out of these people by using the condoms. <laughs> like, come on, 
dude. Like <laughs> Superman. So you yeah. her back. She's dirty. She's just trying to relax and so jumping on it. Irresponsible. In. Totally flooded the uh, apartment below them. Dude, that was they, my they, concern. This is all right. Yes, those are the two. I'm such an old man at this point because my two <laughs> biggest concerns with that scene were, oh, my son is looking at this that's not cool and the other one was holy shit where's all that water going <laughs> yeah exactly i had the same thought like you totally just flooded your downstairs neighbor's right. uh bathroom yeah. what an asshole Why'd you do that? well it's a good thing he has superpowers have you ever tried to take off wet jeans and clothes before it's not easy like and, you know he's ripping them all well, out and especially the way that that dude's built i mean henry cavill let's face it if his clothes are anything less than loose he's probably got some troubles getting yeah. them off um, which I, I did appreciate later on for the ladies, the Henry Cavill sweatpants scene. Yeah. Cooking, I, cooking, no less. I did enjoy that, you know, with Cavill and like with Perry, they kept pointing out nobody reads papers. Yeah, and like, yeah, that yeah. was nice. They point out. But my other question was they had Clark go cover a sports story. Like, does the, Daily Planet not have a sports like reporter yes. section. Like, you know, I need you to cover the war today, but tomorrow you're going to go cover the football team. That is not how a newspaper works. But stupid, I, I stupid say, Zack I, Snyder. I, I went to school with some journalism majors, <laughs> and they have different uh, specific uh, areas of interest. And so people go in for sports, people go in for news. It's so like you said, they would have someone uh, like your cla- Crash Clark. As you know, the, the crazy guy, you know, that's uh, wild and crazy. Uh, right, right. Sports. He's not the same guy the next day that's uh, uncovering the special uh, interest group that, you know, the, well, the corruption see, with the yeah, girl. I, I took he it. He didn't go to college. He's I, some dude. I like, took it, though. I took it that that was kind of the point was that Clark was their fluff guy and that he wanted to do more. But Perry's like, you're our fluff guy. Shut up and tell me about the football game or the dog pageant or whatever. But Clark wants to do more than that. That's kind of how I took that. But I will say, Lawrence Fishburne, delightful. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I thought he was a great Perry. He's He did a great job. I really enjoyed him. Uh, I still... It's not Amy Adams because I really like Amy Adams. I still am not crazy about the way that they write this Lois. I feel like she's – I don't know. I, I I think on this one uh, specifically for me, it seemed like there was one too many uh, damsel in distress. Like it was like four – at least four, maybe five times where it was like you know, she was just there for Superman to save her. Although to an extent that was kind of the point of the movie – uh, and, and I guess let's go ahead and jump to this because we're, uh, you know, let's, we'll, we'll be a little looser about the, the format. Let's not necessarily follow the plot. But so, you know, we've already established that apparently this Bruce Wayne has prophetic dream superpowers for some odd Which reason. Is odd, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we get, he has, okay. Was it the nightmare? Was was it after that that Flash showed up? It was right when he was waking up. Right, but it was after the 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 trench coat Batman, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The- now, for everybody that has issues with that Batman shooting people, murdering people with guns, this is Bruce Wayne's worst case scenario dream. This is Superman has taken control of the planet for whatever reason. We don't know what that story is. Uh, 
horrible things are happening. This is not like I want to be this. This is when it when the when it hits the fan. This is yeah. how things will be. So it's not Superman like... Superman walks in and straight up just uh, heat visions like five people on right. the way to talk to Batman. It, right. It was it was that game. It was Injustice Gods Among Us. Yes. Like somebody played that game and was like, you know what? I'm going to put this in a which, movie. Which, you know but, what, is fine because they also played the Arkham games and that's where we got all our fight yeah. scenes from. Uh, so do you think that that dream sequence... Well, obviously, it has to have some sort of... Planting. Well, it's somehow. got. Par- I mean, it's got parademons. It's got, parademons, it's got, it's got the Omega symbol. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly something influenced by Darkseid. Which, you know, again, it's kind of shitty that it doesn't explain it within this movie, but it is setting it up to where maybe these visions are being planted in Bruce's head somehow. I don't know. That's kind of how I took it. Yeah, you know, he, it's not like he's prophetically dreamed about stuff in the past in the comics. Right. So it's got to be someone, you know, maybe a new god, uh, you know, trying to send them a warning or something to uh, warn them of the uh, oncoming dark side uh, issue. So after uh, that dream, we, which reflects reality, see, I actually thought that dream worked really well because it's showing the worst case scenario. It's it's uh, it's enhancing Bruce Wayne's fears about Superman because we've got to remember. This is Bruce, who's been through the grinder for twenty years. A Rob, you know, Robin has been murdered at some point. We we don't know the whole story, and that's that story. I'm okay with because that's in the past, uh, and presumably we'll we'll get there. Like I'm okay with that being unexplained. But this is this is a Bruce Wayne who's been through some some shit, mm. and the opening of the movie established this super powered motherfucker. Has not only decimated this city, but killed a bunch of my people. Now, to, real quick to jump back to Man of Steel, I don't have a problem with the Metropolis destruction because to me, Superman, we know that Superman has just stepped into his superpowers. He's fighting for his life. He doesn't even have time to think, I need to get away from this civilized pop. You know, like, he's just trying to keep these people from murdering him. Uh, so that that whole thing didn't bother me as much as it did some people, but Bruce Wayne hates this guy, and that hate is being manipulated over the course of this movie by by Alexander Luthor, who knows who Batman is, who knows who Superman is, and who, through his deal with the government, gets access to the Kryptonian ship that gives him information about literally a hundred thousand different worlds. We don't know what that information encompasses, but we do know he either knew about Darkseid already, and that's why he wanted to know, like, that's why he wanted to get into the ship, or that's where he learned about it, which that's... Well, they have that line. When he's in the ship, the little, when he takes it over, it says, I think, I can't remember exactly what it says, but it says something like, what can I tell you, or what do you want to know? And he says, tell me everything. Well, it says, this is the Kryptonian archive. We have information on over 100,000 populated worlds. And he says, show me everything. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like this Alexander Luthor had already been exposed to some some kind of artifact from Apocalypse. And I feel like that's the impetus for his vendetta against Superman. And, you know, we don't know where that falls out. But we do know that he's already paranoid. He's already scared about what these beings are going to do to the planet. 
Right. Well, you know he's at least aware of the mother box because he has that with the cyborg uh, video. Right, exactly. And that's that's another interesting thing is we see a freaking mother box in this movie. Not you know not just the parademons that we saw that were essentially just a dream of Bruce Wayne's, but we see a mother box. It's it exists. It's a thing. Uh, and and it's interesting that they did go that route. Uh, I'm a little concerned with how many New Fifty Two elements yeah. were used. <laughs> I hope we we yeah. already we already got one shitty adaptation of War. Which is the worst comic book arc I've ever read in my life. It's bad. I don't need yeah, a movie we, of it. I think we talked about it through some texts that uh, I accidentally watched. Uh, let my daughter watch that, and that was just terrible. Oh, it's terrible. It's horrible. It's so bad. But the thing is, it's a perfect adaptation of the comic. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, it's a perfect adaptation of a terrible comic. So right. The right. comic's terrible, then, you know, by reason the adaptation is going to be awful as oh, well. Oh, real, real quick for you guys and for the listeners, uh, Justice League versus Teen Titans comes out on April 12th, which is, if you're listening to this on time, it's next week. It was written by Brian Q. Miller. Ooh. Who contributed some of the best stuff to Smallville and who wrote Stephanie Brown as Batgirl, which I think is still the best run of Batgirl ever. Absolutely. Uh, and so I'm really excited about this one. And as far as I know, it's not adapting any specific, uh, comic storyline. I mean, it, sure it has to be because they all have, but I don't know what it is if it is. But it's, it's by Brian Q. Miller and it's also like DC animation has been way more hit than miss. So I'm I'm super stoked about this one. So getting into Batman because we haven't really even started let's, on him. Yet. Let's get into the best cinematic <sighs> Batman we've ever seen. Now you know why I like it because we like have it? a Batman who's a little crazy, who likes to punish people, who's angry about a lot of things. You know what I think it's based on? No, the god, no, the goddamn Batman. No, it's him. It's All Star no. Batman come to life. No, 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 please God, no, no, it's not. As a matter of fact, I would say this Batman is not even necessarily Dark Knight Returns Batman because he's smarter than that. Uh, you know, he is led by Alexander Luthor, but. I, I felt like there was more traditional Batman and Ben Affleck's Batman. It's just one that, like we keep saying, has been ground down by 20 years. And the key thing about this Batman is he never quit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, earlier, I, I do like that because that was one of the biggest issues I had with the Bale Batman where he's just like, yeah, I'm done. Thanks. Several times he was done. And that's, uh, I wa we watched, uh, earlier today because we're, we're kind of getting to the point where I'm, I'm letting my son watch, uh, a little heavier stuff. We're, we still try to be kind of careful, but we watched the Dark Knight earlier today, uh, because for whatever reason, the kids love Dark Knight Rises and he hasn't seen that one yet. And I was like, well, if you're going to watch that turd, you gotta you, watch this first. You at least need to see the good one that led up to it. And we watched that and, uh, then we watched, he he asked me something about, and I can't remember exactly where it was, but but he asked me why does this Batman do this, and I was like, this because this is a Batman that quits all the time. And when we watched what? we watched the first uh, about hour or so of Dark Knight Rises, and he was like, wait, is he not Batman right now? And I was like, nope, because he's quit again. 
Yeah, so, and not 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 quit, but like quit like literally minutes after the last movie ended. Right. This is a Batman who was Batman for about eighteen months total over the course of well, three movies. But you know I what? Mean, All right. It, I don't want to. At the end of Dark Knight Returns, when that, that maybe Dark Knight Rises. Remember now, Dark Knight Rises. I mean, Jim Gordon did say he's gonna run because he's like the hero we need, and we're not ready right now. And so he just ran home, and that was the ran end. Ran home and yeah. put on his, put <laughs> on his, his bathrobe. Shadows, and not be. All right. I don't. Anyway, I don't want to get too far into because comp- I don't like comparing things for good well, or bad. One but, comparison uh, that I will want to say is that the uh, modulator uh, device that yes. Affleck had was a hundred times better than Bale's gravelly, weird voice. As I thought was, that made such more sense uh, and, and was sounded so much better on screen. Well, and the bat suit was absolutely fantastic. And I don't know if I just didn't like look close at the trailer or I was being, I don't know, but I remember thinking like, ah, it's going to be Ben Affleck. He's not going to be like Batman. And then he's got that suit on. And even when he's walking around with the cowl on, I was like, yep, that's it. Like they nailed it. Yeah. I thought he was definitely one of the better parts of the whole movie. Whatever issues I may have with the tone and uh, with other parts of the movie, uh, uh, Ben Affleck as Batman was not one of them. Well, my, my biggest takeaway from this was, I I really want more of Ben Affleck and Jeremy Irons. I want Batman movies with those guys, and I'm very very excited about the Wonder Woman movie. Now, here's a question I have for y'all that I, I I couldn't quite understand. So he brands all his little criminals, sure. which you know, fine, whatever. It's kind of stupid, but well, I could see Batman being crazy and like, don't do this again, or I'm going to get you or whatever. But then they make the comment that the brand, when you go into prison, is like a death sentence, and that the other prisoners kill you. Right. I don't. I don't really understand. Like, why would you be a prisoner and come in and be like, man, I got the shit kicked out of me by Batman because I'm a bad guy, and then all the other prisoners are like, well, we're going to kill you now. <laughs> like. I don't really understand why are other prisoners upset that you got the shit kicked out of you by Batman. You're yeah, right that they I, didn't really explain that, but I don't care. Yeah, I didn't understand that, but my other issue was that uh, Batman is a straight-up uh, serial killer in this one, that he totally killed so many people. Like, uh, that, that was one part of the character, even in the Dark Knight uh, 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 comics, where he, you know, he didn't cross the line. But in this one, I mean, he like he drags that one car for like three straight blocks with the full intention of you know slamming into the next car, well, killing everyone in in each car. And we well, do but- we do have to address this. Uh, the and I want to start by once again saying, no, I'm not okay with it. And if I was making the movie, I wouldn't have done it that way. But cinematically. Every movie Batman has been a murderer. Well, but what you got to think about too in the comics, like, you know, you see a couple of panels of Batman beating some dude up and then he attaches a rope line to him and hangs him upside down and then Batman leaves. If you were to extend that sequence a few panels, you totally see the dude hanging upside down die in like 20 minutes because all the blood's rushed to his head. Like, I think Batman's probably killed a lot of people in the comics. You just don't get that part. Well, like, you don't get to it. Like, Batman's knocking people out left and right. Like, are you telling me he's knocked the Riddler out 18,000 times? <laughs> that dude doesn't have like brain damage. Yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> well, here's the, he's here's worse the thing. An NFL player, his brain's swollen up. 
up and he's going nuts. That, that's the reason they're all in Arkham is because of the uh, brain damage. But there's yeah. a difference between... <laughs> the Batman comics are a sad, sad study of traumatic brain injury. Well, there's a difference, though, between casualties uh, that are displayed in you know the comics where we can kind of assume... There's a certain amount of dead bodies in Batman's past, not because of his direct action, but because of just what he does. Uh, and things like Michael Keaton strapping a bomb to a guy and then turning the Batmobile around and setting him on fire. Yeah. Uh, and I will say this. If you have a problem with Ben Affleck's Batman and the number of people that he kills, and he does kill people, and it's not okay. I'm not saying it's okay. But if you have a problem with it, then you can't enjoy any of the other Batman movies either. Because Christian Bale allows Ra's al Ghul to die through an action. And I don't care about the logical, like, I don't have to save you. I, mean, I don't have to save you either. Whatever <laughs> crazy fucking voice is. Uh, that's bullshit. He could have he <laughs> saved him, taken him to justice, whatever. Uh, and you cannot watch all three of the Nolan Batman movies and just assume that... None of the people, none of the bad guys die. The It is nice, though, that in Dark Knight Rises, as much of a rancid turd as that movie is, it is nice that he makes a point of uh, taking the gun away from Catwoman saying, we don't kill. Yeah. Well, I, and this movie seemed to go a little overboard, too, as far as Superman. Like, how many times they say, oh, that building is clear. This whole area of the city, there's no one around. Well, here's the well, thing. I thought that they, was uh, Zack Snyder kind of, like, responding to the, all the critics that talked about how yeah. dark. Well, it totally uh, was, but I don't. Man Steel was. It was like, hey, guys, I said it was clear. Well, You can't get mad at me now. But what is the guy supposed to do? I mean, yeah. what are we supposed to, like, uh, the the... Alexander Luthor's base is in the middle of some desert in Saudi Arabia, and that's where the fight's going to happen. Like, it's going to be in a swamp, and it's going to be a giant skull. I don't feel, yeah, dude. Come on, that would be awesome. <laughs> um, you know, I do feel like those lines were put in there to to kind of respond to the criticisms of the destruction of Metropolis. But at the same time, what the fuck is the guy supposed to do? Yeah, well, and I, I kind of think too, like. You know, if we are going to set up this universe where we show, like, yeah, this is what happens when crazy flying people shoot lasers all over the place, then go with it. Right. Like, you know, go with it. It's, because that's an interesting take. It's much more interesting to me to see Doomsday comes and, yeah, a lot of people die, and that's, you know, they do their best to stop it than just to constantly have to hear, oh, there's nobody over there. It's cool. Don't and, worry about but it. that's the thing is I felt like, he kind of had to do that, or else yeah. people would have just shit on it all. Which, granted, they're shitting on it anyway. But um, you know, if you look at Age of Ultron, which was very much a response to the backlash from Man of Steel, but are you telling me that an entire city was levitated into the sky and then dropped violently back down, and the Avengers managed to save every person in that city? Get the fuck out of here! That's I get it. You know, people need to, it's, it's not even the filmmakers, it's people need to calm down. This is escapist fantasy, and yeah. that actually brings me to a good segue to my next point in that it needs to be escapist fantasy, and by doing something like bringing Neil deGrasse Tyson and Soledad O'Brien, is that her name, Soledad O'Brien? 
um, by bringing yeah, all by yeah by bringing all of these actual celebrities Anderson Cooper into the movie. I think that's a terrible fucking mistake because I can't separate a flying man that shoots lasers out of his eyes from the real world because you've sat there and pinioned me down to the real world by using these faces I know. Yeah, you know, and I think that was a. I think it was a terrible an call. Attempted an homage to Dark Knight Returns, but Dark Knight yeah. Returns did not use actual celebrities except for Ronald Reagan. Right. And everything yeah, I think else, they were that. and everything I think they're trying else to was a lot of movies that do that though. Like they they bring in like uh, uh, real world celebrities to talk about. I, you know, if you look at like uh, Ryan Seacrest or you know, some of the other news folks, but that's like, they, they've been in like a hundred movies. That's That's different from this concept because they have this bizarre need to ground this DC film world universe uh, more in reality. Not as realistic as Nolan's movies, but it is more grounded. And you can't have it both ways. It's either got to be a fan. That's the whole reason Metropolis is Metropolis and not Chicago and Gotham City is Gotham City and not New York. It's, it's why to me, the DC universe has always been easier to immerse myself into because it's a fantasy land. It's not like when you read Marvel comics and every fucking superhero in the world is constantly having these gigantic battles in New York. I'm like, well, I know New York is there. I know New York isn't getting blown up every 30 seconds. So I can still enjoy Marvel Comics, but the separation, the suspension of disbelief for me is easier with DC Comics because it's much more of a fantasy world. And when you do things like bringing these faces that I know into the picture... It, it screws it up. And, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done the same thing. They've used familiar faces that we know, but it works better because the tone is lighter. Yeah. Well, uh, you know th- if they would have faked it, it would have been damn Channel 52. Dude, that would have been fine. <laughs> I would have had no problem with that. Put fucking Blair Herder on TV. I don't care. Uh, but it, that definitely was something that didn't work for me. Uh, moving on, though, not to, not to sit here and, and uh, complain about Neil deGrasse Tyson, who, by the way, did a great job. Like, he had all the gravitas and seriousness talking about the theoretical Superman that you could want from the guy. I'm not blaming the celebrities. They were great. And if you ever want to hear something really interesting, he did a whole podcast on Star Talk about superheroes and, like, different ones and how their powers would work and, like, what it would, like, do to the world and physics and stuff. It's really interesting. See, and that, awesome. Great. I just don't want him in the movie. But that's not his fault. That's Zack Snyder's fault, uh, yeah. which, you know, pretty much everything that was bad in the movie was. Uh, let's move on. We've got to keep going. Uh, so we've talked about Bruce Wayne's uh, weird, prescient dreams. We've talked about how good Ben Affleck was as Batman, how even though Jeremy Irons is only like 10 years older than Ben Affleck, how great he was as Alfred. Yeah. I enjoyed, I liked that they had the mansion already blown up, so we didn't have yeah. to witness it again, but it also gave a really good, like, little things like that gave a good sense of history to him. Yes, and we don't know what happened. Right. We right. don't know where. I did it- like that, and I did like, uh, just a different, uh, ch- change of location. You showed him with the, on the lake, with the apartment and the other things. And I liked. It was kind of a retread of the, uh, mansion over and over. And he was, uh, he was great as Batman and as Bruce Wayne, which is something that he's the first actor to have accomplished, 
uh, his Bruce Wayne, you know, we get the one scene of him waking up with the supermodel in the bed or whatever. We get him at the party, uh, kind of making a little banter. Like he's, he's furious and he's angry, but he's also very charming at the same time. Uh, yeah, you see him turn it on. Like at one point, like he's like all got, you know, pissy face and then he, get, you know, pulls up at the car and then as soon as he gets out, he's all smiles. Yes. You know, photographers. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, mean I, I thought, uh, he, he did a great job. Now, what do you, all, all around. what do you guys think about Henry Cavill's, uh, Superman and Clark Kent? <laughs> I think he looks right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I was trying to come up with something positive and that's about as positive as I can. I don't. With. I don't think the issues that uh, I'm sure we all have pretty much the same issues. I don't think they're his fault. It's all direction. It's all script. Uh, I think when he has the opportunity to shine, he does. I I see. I like him better in Man of Steel. Uh, I agree. I I think in this movie, he didn't really have much to do other than be like the asshole in one scene or be the dumbass in the other. Or, you know, be annoying in this or be the, you know, uh, I I think this one was more script than anything for him. And when, uh, you know, when he's had, when he's at the Senate hearing and which I thought was very well done. Uh, I love the exchange between Alexander Luthor and Holly Hunter's character where they talk about, you know, Granny's peach tea and she sits down and realizes, you know, something is horribly amiss with the Senate hearing Uh, that scene dropped my jaw i could not believe that they they that that attack happened that that explosion happened it was very effective and i think then, what got me the most on that one was the fact that he specifically told his uh sidekick mercy hey go in there save me a seat yes knowing exactly what was happening uh and and that that was yet another little character building moment for luthor but where they totally failed was to have that lingering shot of Superman standing there amidst the flames, really not given a read at all. No, yeah. no expression, no emotion, no, not immediately flying off to try and figure out what happened. Nothing. Just standing you know, yeah. there. It's, it was- it's almost like he didn't have a superpower that puts out fire. <laughs> <laughs> if only there was something he could have done to stop. This well, I mean, granted, by then, at everyone that was, was too late, but I mean, I thought at a minimum, I, I was expecting him to like, Drop to his knees and you do like the you stereotypical. At least give like, us a look, no. Look up like no. Yes. Yes. Like some some emotion like you know, but he's just like oh shit that happened right. Well, and the uh, getting to that scene, you know, one of the ways they got there that I was a little confused by, you know, part of Lex's plan was this taking Wally's checks and writing messages on them. Right. And so I couldn't at first, like, I, I've been trying to, like, figure that scene out and why Lex did that. And I couldn't, I still don't think I understand why that happened. Well, the and, whole point is Lex is essentially simmering Bruce Wayne. Just making him a little cuckoo. And those checks. But were, except the fact he never saw him, though. So, like, he wasn't. Well, no, no, no. But that was the point is they were supposed to hit all at once. He had other machinations in place. Uh, you know, setting Superman up. He, yeah, but so you, you think he intentionally, uh, went about it or, or knew that Bruce wasn't going to see the 
10 months or two years worth of checks I don't think until he, that day. I, well, the, but, but that's the thing is if he had seen them before then, he would have taken care of Wally. He yeah. couldn't see them before then. So Lex held these back through, you know, what he's, he's Alexander fucking Luthor. Well, he's one of the most powerful men in the world. I believe he can, you know, keep a cripple's paychecks hidden for as long as he wants. And then once he had Wally in place, with this bomb, once he had everything in place ready to go, then he releases these checks, and Bruce Wayne sees them all at once. So he and, has someone in uh, uh, in in the Wayne Company, yeah. sure, of course, holding them, sure, until oh yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, that just adds to Wayne's anger because it's all little components. He's furious at Superman. He's furious that this happened to his employee. And then on top of that, he's, why haven't I seen these? What the fuck is this? This has been going on for how long? And I'm just now finding out about it. Like that rage on top of all the other rage that's been building. I totally believe that was, that, that was just part of the plan. Yeah. Is that, was that one, you know, one more trigger until it came time for him to set that bat signal up, yeah. which, I, I love that, um, you know, we, we have the scene where Batman is going after the kryptonite. It's a little random that that's when Superman decides to show up. Uh, but watching the Batmobile bounce off of Superman was pretty awesome. Like, I really liked he didn't even flinch. And I loved the look on Affleck's face when he sees Superman standing there. Uh, I do think that Cavell, he played that off that scene really well. Yes. That's one of the few times that it was really good because that look he gives Batman like you're a fucking joke. Well, like, and we actually had a reason for Superman to not like Batman because he had been being fed all this stuff about the Gotham vigilante and about the branding and he, you know, they did build up Clark Kent's dislike of Batman. Like that, that, they came at both angles. They built that collision. They really did a good job with that story, and it boggles my mind because this is, you know, there, uh, there's been tons and tons and tons of internet criticism of this movie. Some of it absolutely earned. Some of it, I feel like people who are just making lists of things that they don't like. But people that say that this movie didn't have a story, I think, are absolutely wrong and weren't paying attention because they built to this conflict. The whole time. I think some of the editing didn't help. The editing was horrendous. In the beginning, the especially in the beginning, there was so many jumps to scenes that didn't flow together. Well, the scene of Lex walking into the Kryptonian ship that happened as he was requesting permission to access the Kryptonian ship is very confusing because him entering the ship didn't actually happen until later in the movie. But they yep. showed it right then. Him getting Zod's body didn't happen until later, but they showed it right then. Like... Stuff like that. The editing of this movie was horrendous. You're right. Um, what else have we talked about? We haven't talked fully about the party. You know, the party scene, that was a big one too that people point out in the trailer. Like, oh, that terrible, like, Lex Luthor doing that introduction. I loved it. But once you see the whole movie and realize at that point that Lex absolutely knows what he's doing. Yes. And he's setting and- it up. And he's like, this is the start of go time. Like that, that was done really, really well. Yeah. And um, it's so, it's so apparent when, you know, when he said, don't get in a fight with this guy. Oh, he knows. Yeah. 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 In hindsight, later on, you realize that, you know, he's, he knows exactly who both the people are 
and knows exactly what's going on and he's already got a plan in place, then it, it makes a lot more sense. Now, I wondered about Wonder Woman in that scene, though, that if he didn't know she was there, like, you think he would have noticed her at least and kind of dealt with her? Or did he know that she was coming back on the scene? I'm not real sure how she well, fit in. Well, there is, uh, for as fun as I thought that scene was, there were a lot of problems with, with that whole scenario because, you know, yes, you have Wonder Woman at his party, and he doesn't seem to have accounted for her in his scheme. Uh, and then you also, you know, on top of that, you've got the fact that Bruce Wayne is able to just walk into this secure area of the LexCorp computer systems and plant this thing, which, granted, Alexander wanted this to happen. So that's kind of, you can kind of explain that that way. But then you also have the fact that Clark is following Bruce down there, and Bruce doesn't seem to realize that. And you've got the fact that uh, Diana goes in and takes the little thing, and that, like, there's a lot there that's kind of like... Yeah, Alexa's server room was less secure than my my office's right, server room. Right, right, exactly. So <laughs> like, I, there's some questions there. Um, it's like right by the kitchen where any cook yeah. could just walk in, you know, and, and right. get in there, like... Uh, even at my office, it, the server is behind, you know, multiple locked doors and, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is a really good point, Ryan. Uh, that what the fuck is Wonder Woman to do that, doing at the party and likes, or Alexander doesn't care? Like, how does that happen? But that scene did give me the best point I heard about that movie given to me by my 10 year old son <laughs> where he was watching and he looks over and says, well, you can tell wonder woman has been gone for a hundred years. Cause she doesn't know just cause you steal one photo off one computer that it's off the internet. It's like, <laughs> You're right, buddy. <laughs> it's like, that is absolutely true. Good point. <laughs> Good point. So, uh, before we get to the big fight or I guess the big fights, is there anything else we need to talk about uh, as far as the setup goes? So the 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 groundwork has been set, and now Alexander Luthor's plan gets put into motion. I thought him kidnapping Martha was very. Now there are some timeline issues with all of this, but it's all Snyder shit. It's all stuff that I feel like he looks at and says, "Well, it doesn't matter. Let's just get to the punching." Uh, Martha getting kidnapped was a big deal. Because that was our first genuine confirmation that he knew who Superman was. And then Lois gets taken, which, you know, Lois Lane, obviously one of the, <laughs> she just gets picked up whenever. And, uh, the script totally determines whether or not Superman is aware that she's in distress. Because somehow, at the beginning of the movie, she's halfway across the world and hasn't screamed, uh, has not even really had any kind of violent altercation or anything. Uh, yeah, Jimmy got shot, but nothing's been done to her, and Superman knows to show up and save her. But she is presumably physically kidnapped by uh, KG Beast. At, yeah, at gunpoint. <laughs> yes, and Superman is unaware. But I loved, I absolutely loved the visual of Lex or Alexander just shoving her off the top of the building. 
Yeah. I like to think that Lois has an update of the Signal Watch where it's like the Signal app. She just hits her phone and it calls Superman and then he comes flying over to save her. <laughs> I mean, I thought like the Martha and Lois was a little bit of overkill there. Well, but I liked it but because it, they, the up and, and that's, it was a little bit of trickery because the whole movie at that point had been establishing everything from the opening scene with the terrorists to Flash appearing to Bruce Wayne and saying Lois Lane is the key, everything had been establishing that Lois Lane was his weak spot. That as long as he loved her, he wasn't incorruptible. Which was, I mean, that was a big theme of the movie. And she even says in the bathtub scene, as long as you love me, I don't know that you can be, you know, Superman, the man that you need to be. Yeah. And he and he says, well, forget that, let's have some bathtub sex. Uh, which, granted, would be any sane man's response to that. But, uh, so it's, it is kind of a nice thing, and I almost wonder if they should not have shown Martha getting taken. Because it would have been more of a surprise when Lex said, no, I'm not talking about her, I'm talking about Martha Kent, or Clark. I loved it when, when Alexander called him Clark Joe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just thought of that totally establishes Superman and how he did probably grow up on a farm is that his girlfriend is telling him all this like deep, like emotional stuff. And then he's just like, yeah, baby, let's do it in the bathtub. Whatever, <laughs> like, whatever baby. <laughs> there's the man in Superman. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like how he treated Superman in that scene. Yes. Where he, he so thinks he's on top. Like, Well, he, he was. I mean, he and- had the upper hand and he's. He's treating him like a little bitch, which is what he wanted. Like, uh, it was it was well done. Yeah, and now I can't remember interspersed with that was that when they were showing Batman kind of setting up the fight, where like one of the things I really liked when they were setting up the fight, you saw him do. If you watch him in the scene where he's doing the spear, he counts his steps. Yes, like he very deliberately yes. counts his steps and then jacks the spear into the ground. Yes, I, I liked the cross. Yeah, I missed that part. That was pretty nice. I liked the CrossFit Batman training montage. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I did but, like you know he's trying to show that you know he's got to be super ready for you know Superman, so he's going to the extra mile. But that was one of the timing issues because he actually lit the bat signal before the kidnappings took place. So it was like a little, it was a little disjointed, just like the rest of the movie with the timing. But so, so if you watch the movie, the feeling is that Batman is standing there for like six hours with the bat signal on, waiting for Superman to show up. He's got a laptop. I'm sure he's uh, doing some Wayne stuff. You know. Right. He's he's on Facebook. He's checking. Yeah, you know, he's checking emails. He's taking uh, some Instagrams. Did you notice taking some, some Instagram the... pictures and posting? Man, this part of Gotham sure is abandoned. Yeah. Did you notice some of the um? Graffiti in that scene. I, I there, saw that it was there, but I didn't notice what it was specifically. There was a Riddler thing in there. Oh, was there? So that. I'm, yeah, like if you look like, I remember seeing it because it's in green, obviously. Sure. But it like says, I think it was broken up, but it said Riddler and had a little question mark. So it makes me think and kind of sets up too that Batman has fought here before. Like he right. knows this, this his, area. Yeah, yeah, this is his battleground. That's, yeah, yeah. that's nice. I like that. So. We get the setup. Alexander tells Superman, uh, you can either go kill Batman and bring me his head, literally bring me his head, or I'm going to set your mother on fire. So we have once again Superman faced with an impossible decision, 
But having learned his lesson in the last movie and having to deal with the guilt of murdering Zod, he goes to Batman in what I think was one of the best scenes of the movie uh, and, you know, spends the initial portion of this scene trying to say, you have to help me. I'm here to ask for help. Well, but the weird thing I thought about that was, and they obviously couldn't do it this way to afford the plot, but wouldn't it have been a lot more effective if Superman just kind of floated like where he was before? I was like, hey, Lex Luthor's got my mom. Need your help, buddy. Instead of saying, like, you don't understand and, like, being vague. Like, yeah, go for the direct route, yeah. Superman. That's, <laughs> but that's so, some hand-waving that I can kind of deal with. Yeah, yeah. But I thought the fight itself, is, itself was really good. The kryptonite grenades were fantastic. Um, I don't, I'm I think, sure that's happened before, but I don't, I don't know that I've seen it. I'm trying to remember in Dark Knight Returns when Green Arrow shoots the arrow, was it just Kryptonite Arrow? Or did it was it just it was I think it was just Kryptonite Arrow. Yeah, he just catches it and that's it. Cause that, I, yeah, I, I really remember, liked uh, his expression like after he inhales the Kryptonite gas and he goes to punch and Batman that like stops him. I thought that was like a really good uh, sell where he like, he was like, oh shit. You well, know, and what's so. fun is later on, Batman's on the other end of it when he's punching Superman in the face and the kryptonite wears off and you actually hear the sound. It turns from, from, uh, you know, knuckles against flesh to knuckles against steel. And he's like, Oh shit. And Superman grabs him. And like that fight was great. I thought the physics and logistics of weakening Superman were great because. It didn't weaken him to the point where he was bleeding all over the place. Like, cause we've got to think about Zack Snyder is very visceral. He likes to show damage. He likes to show violence. But the only time we see Superman bleed is when Batman takes that spear and cuts him. So Superman's getting beaten down, but it's not graphic. And I appreciate the restraint shown there. Uh huh. Yeah, I thought, I mean, and then you see what a planner Batman was. Like, he landed in that spot with the spear, knowing I'm going to get to this point at some time. Yes. And I'm going to land right here, and yeah. then I'm going to get the spear. Aside and then, from how easily he was led by Alexander Luthor, this did feel a lot like Grant Morrison's Batman. Yeah. And then we had, you know, how the fight ended with the, oh, he's got my mother, Martha. And then there was, I think, probably the biggest shock for me in the entire movie. And surely I knew this at one point. But how have I never, like, consciously connected that Kent and Wayne are both Martha? I never never did. And I, like, I kept thinking about it later, and I was like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they changed that for the movie. No. And I was like, no, their names it's are Martha. Like always been Jonathan and Martha and Thomas and Martha. And in 40 fucking years of, of these characters, I never connected that. And Zack Snyder's the man. Well, I guess probably the writer of the movie. And I, you know what? We keep talking about Zack Snyder. Uh, and, and yes, he made a lot of creative decisions, but we've got to remember this is actually written by Chris Terrio and David S. Goyer. So, I mean, story-wise, which I feel like, despite what the, the internet haters are saying, that this had a solid story, those guys, the guys that wrote the script did a good job. Uh, Snyder is the one that made a lot of it more confusing than it needed to be. 
Uh, but yeah, those guys were like, Hey, wait a minute. And, and people make fun of it. People make fun of the whole Martha thing, but I'll tell you right now, that would absolutely give a human being pause. This guy that I'm getting ready to murder, it, it's not that he said, Oh, because her name's Martha, I'm not going to kill you. It's because that grounded him for a second. It made him consider what he was doing and consider, man, this guy has a mother. This guy is of Earth. Like, what am I doing here? And then that gave Lois the opportunity to explain everything. Like, it's not, it's not a goofy magic word. It's a human moment. Yeah, and it's too, you know, and you've got the combination of that, like I said, and Lois laying with him on the ground trying to protect him. And I think that's when Batman sees this isn't just some alien god floating above us all. Like, he has a life, you know, I may not agree with everything that's happening, but there's more going on here than I initially thought. Right. And and it's it's a very wonderful moment of... Uh, I think Bruce Wayne recognizing his potential for fallibility. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a nice Batman moment. So yeah, it's, I dug the fight. I dug why the fight happened. And, uh, you know, that ending was solid. And then, yeah. and then the movie ended and we all liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, well, wait. Before we move on, Jay, have you got any further thoughts about the fight? Uh, I like the fight. Uh, I wasn't uh, as convinced on the ending. I thought it was a little weird, just the fact that, uh, you know, uh, I, I thought that Superman went straight from, hey, let me know, let me tell you what's going on to, uh, okay, I'm just going to kill you anyway, or I'm going to fight you anyway. It seemed like throughout the fight, he should have been saying, hey, you don't understand. Stop, stop, stop. You know, let me, you know, th- this is what's going on with my mom. I thought it was a little, I don't want to say cliche, but, uh, you know, just the fact that he got lucky to, that it just so happened that both their moms were the same name. That's what stopped it. I, th- I thought the. But it's not, it just so happened. It is a fact. Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. But, I, mean, I, I just thought it was the, the fact that he said it and he heard it. You know, like, what if he killed him before he said it? You know, but, and you're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Su- t- technically, yes, Superman should have spent that whole fight going, stop. There's another thing happening. Right. But, you know, we, we wanted to see that fight. Right. And I, and I did like the fight. I thought a lot of it was really good. And I thought the, the fact, the way they played up, uh, uh, Batman being prepared and being able to, uh, uh, take on Superman. I mean, you know, uh, when you look at it on paper, Batman versus Superman, obviously you think Superman should kill him because he's a, a super uh, god that can do whatever he wants. The fact that Batman was so prepared, had kryptonite, had everything else, um, I, I thought it was pretty impressive. Well, and on top of that, the fact that Superman does not want to kill Batman. Like, he wants to resolve this he wants to convince this guy to help him. Like, I like that portion of it too, because it actually, you know, yes, when, when nerds get together and talk about Batman versus Superman, of course Superman would just tear Batman in half. If, if it was a fight to the death and that was both of their intents, yes, that's what would happen. But this well, was, was a not fair the fight, case. but Batman gets to uh, prepare and it's no longer right. a fair fight because he's Batman. Right. And, and, you know, the whole time, even when Superman is not being weakened by the kryptonite, he is restraining himself because he doesn't want to kill this guy. 
And that and that and is that, the point, and I dug it. So, we have our fight, we have fight. and we go and directly we into two. fight number fight. Two, two, which is, uh, I will say, well, no, actually, yeah, we don't go directly into fight number two because we get the greatest cinematic Batman fight scene ever when yeah. Batman goes to the warehouse to rescue Martha Kent and holy shit, it was Arkham City, Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight, whatever, come to life on the big screen. I was waiting for detective mode to come on. I was like, <laughs> you need to turn on detective mode before you go in there because there's some dude with guns. You got to take them out first. But he, you know, we didn't see it, but he <laughs> totally did go in detective mode because that's how he busted through the wall to grab that. He did a takedown. <laughs> He totally well, did a takedown. I could see his little combo meter going up. I'm like, well, buddy, you're about to get the flashing thing. But it was great. Crazy shit. He used batarangs. He used the grapnel. He jammed dudes' heads into the ground. He, he straight I, up stabbed a dude in the heart. Well, it wasn't quite the – okay, if he stabbed a dude in the heart, then Oliver Queen on Arrow shoots dudes in the heart all the time. Yeah, okay, he, he straight up stabbed a dude in the shoulder. But yes. I, I, right, right before this happened – I literally had the thought like, hey, uh, I remember this big fight scene with Batman in the trailer. I haven't seen that yet. I wonder when that's coming. And then it went right into this. Yes. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And it was fantastic, and they, they treated it like uh, the, the scene earlier where uh, the cops encounter Batman, where he's just hanging out up in the corner. Like They treated a lot of Batman stuff like a horror movie which is one of the effective things from Batman Begins where they have that scene in the shipping crates where it's like like Jason stalking hapless teenagers like they they did some really cool stuff there but this that whole warehouse sequence was fantastic uh and and the thing is it it goes to show again how much this is a Batman movie and not a Superman movie because we got to see Batman being Batman a lot and we never really got a whole lot of Superman being Superman. Well, you got Superman being Jesus Christ. That's about it. Well, but you know what? And, and anybody that complains about that, that's that's been the way it was from the beginning, from the, the inception of the character. He, I mean, he was sent by his father. His father sent his only begotten son to Earth and told them told him to save humans. I mean, come on. That Christ allegory's been there from the start, and it's never going away. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, at least they knew the Star Wars thing where he was, uh, uh, born where he was midichlorians? <laughs> Superman's midichlorian count is off the charts. Um, so Batman saves Martha by, uh, murdering KG Beast. Uh, although it could be argued that KG Beast made the decision to pull the trigger and, and blew himself up. And I guess that's true. Um, and then we go right into Superman confronting Alexander Luthor in the weird Kryptonian womb thing. I really liked Alexander's reaction when he calls his guy to set Martha on fire and Batman responds. Like, so, you can tell he never counted on these guys working together. You've well, yeah. watched Man of Steel more recently. I'm watching it right uh, now, actually. Because I try to avoid it. Okay, so if I remember correctly, General Zod's big to-do deal was he wanted to, you know, make more Kryptonians, and he wanted to make more clones. But we wanted to terraform Earth. Yes. Well, yeah, but his thing was, I want the Codex so I can 
make more Kryptonian people. Well, he's got what it is is he wants to terraform Earth to be suitable for Kryptonian biology, and he has this sort of hatchery because if you remember at the beginning of Man of Steel, all of Kryptonians don't have sex. Right. All of all of Kryptonians are birthed in this giant chamber full of babies. And he has that that chamber is in the Kryptonian vessel. Right. So he's so, gonna repopulate with these Kryptonian babies. Yeah. So it made Doomsday because Luther put some of his shit in it and made, you know, it tells him it makes it's gonna make a monster, whatever it says. Right, right. But so you're telling me that Zod the whole time could he use this machine, cut a little bit of Kryptonians off, throwing it in, and here's more Kryptonians. Like he didn't need the damn codex. Well, no, you no, have no. it. He, it's on the ship. But that's well, not. I think that's not uh, yeah, what happened. The ship though. Warned him that the fact that this was going to uh, you're creating a mutant and uh, you're not supposed to do it anymore. Right. It's an, abo- it's an abomination. And and Zod, you know, Zod cherished Krypton. He wouldn't yeah. have violated Krypton's laws like that. Well, and once again, pointing out the shitty security that permeates this movie. I liked that when Alexander Luther walked in, he was just like, "I'm I'm in charge of this ship now," and it went okay. Well, he had <laughs> Zod, but so he, he had, had Zod's, fingerprints. Yeah, he had Zod's yeah, he had fingerprints. fingerprints for, you know, uh, but yeah, so they make they make the doomsday. You know what? What would have been better? Him doing that with Zod's fingerprints or him having like Jeff Goldblum create a Krypton virus to hack into the system? Right. I That's, mean, uh, we, we got we got to get there somehow, guys. Yeah. Uh so, yeah, so- Dooms Doomsday is birthed and look, I know you guys, I'm not a fan of Doomsday. I like I said I read the one Death of Superman comic and that was it. Uh, I have no attachment to the character of Doomsday whatsoever. As such, aside from the fact that the CGI was incredibly shitty, I didn't have any issues with how Doomsday was portrayed in this movie because I don't really know him that well. What about you guys? Well, they got the character of Doomsday himself perfect. There is no character. Doomsday is just supposed to be... I mean, later in the comics it got crappy and they tried to give him some story. But he's supposed to be... Yeah. You know, and that's kind of what they did. I, I just thought they kind of crammed it into like, you know, 15 minutes. Um, so, you know, like you said, he's not really a character. He just kind of shows up and he, he's more of a look with, you know, the, the, the crazy torn costume and the bones. Okay. Now, unstoppable force. now let me tell you my theory about why Doomsday is so angry. Uh, Doomsday is so angry because he does not have a penis. Yeah, that was weird. I noticed that too. <laughs> at least what? give Doomsday his pants. Like at least in the comics, he's got pants. What? Didn't wasn't in the, the initial trailers? Didn't he have like some kind of weird biker shorts? Like I, 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 I want to say like in the teaser, like when you first see Doomsday, uh, he had some kind of weird like sh- literally like lycra biker shorts that they uh, eventually changed for the final movie. Which, yeah. for the listeners who may not know, is accurate to the comics. Yeah. Yeah. I wish they had gone with that. Like, I wish they would have had maybe a little more Kryptonian machinery making him and have him start the fight in the big green suit and then have it ripping away and having that to be where you start seeing the bones. bones. That would have actually made a lot of sense. That's a very good call because that rather than the birthing... Rather than being in that big gooey embryo or womb thing, 
have him in that containment suit thing and then bust out of that. That's actually a really good call. That would have been way better because then we wouldn't have had to wonder about his penis. Yeah. Right. Because I'll well, tell you right now, the whole time that fight was going on, I was just wondering, like, man, this guy has no genitals, and I feel really bad for him because he used to because Zack Snyder took pains to not to shoot from exactly the right angles. Like, oh, Luthor's elbow is in the way. Oh, that that uh, smoke is in the way. The water's in the way. So clearly Zod had a wang. But Doomsday, <laughs> well, nothing. Like a Ken doll. Well, if, you, if you were going to ask Mattel, his classic look is the green uh, containment suit. <laughs> uh, right. That's, that's, what the one, that's the yeah. one. That, that's what they're going to sell that's you. What the the that's what the fans want. That's what the fans want. Fan demanded uh, toy. Okay, so uh, we get... The really, and, and once again, another example of Snyder just wanting to have a really cool scene. Uh, Superman heroically brings Zod, or Zod, brings Doomsday up into the stratosphere. And they, the president launches a nuclear missile at him. Sure, whatever. Because Zack Snyder wanted that scene from Dark Knight Returns where Superman's all wasted away and is restored by the yellow sun. And you know what? It's a cool scene. I'll take it. Whatever. I don't care. But that scene led directly into the worst scene of the whole movie. God, the minute the screen turned white and you saw him walking, I was like, oh, God, it's Pa Kent time. And then once again, there's Kevin Costner to give terrible lessons to Superman about like – Well, that was know, earlier. Was, that was earlier. Was that earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. I thought it was yeah, then. No, it, no, that was that after – was like um, way early on that was before um, he came back when uh, uh, Luthor threw Lois off the uh, – Oh, that's like, right. That is not – Yeah, that was a that long was time ago. That was the worst scene in the movie. Because that was when – We uh, get that Pa was, can't be like, you totally don't got to help these people. Do whatever you want to, buddy. And I'm like, oh, God. Well, and no. then he had, he had a similar scene with Martha Kent where she said, yeah. help these people, don't help these people. Who gives a shit really? <laughs> Uh, they're like the nihilists from Big Lebowski. Who cares? They're, uh, no, no, no. Um, we're, we're way past that and we're to the point. All where right. Well, with the fight, Superman, I thought been, they handled the three of them, the way they set up the fight, like where you had Superman going directly, Wonder Woman. Well, wait, you know, wait, we haven't introduced Wonder Woman yet. Oh, she hasn't slid slow, in yet. Slow down. Uh, so Superman gets blown up and everybody thinks Superman's dead. Batman is once again being the superhero and saying, I know I don't have a chance against whatever the fuck this thing is, but I got to do something. Uh, he flies the bat plane or bat wing or whatever it's called in this one. Uh, sees doomsday is like, I got to bring it back to the totally abandoned. I want to make <laughs> it clear that this part of Gotham is abandoned. Bring it back so I can get the spear uh, which idiot Lois has thrown down a fucking <laughs> staircase full of water or something. That, I don't know what that's that what is. That's what I didn't understand. <laughs> like, that seemed like one of the worst decisions of the entire movie. Well, I mean, that's... Like, like, as soon as uh, she had it, like, uh, I, you knew it was going to come up later. But she didn't. The thing is... Throw it down a uh, well of water. Like, what but, were you thinking? But that's the I whole she thing. Was thinking like, it'll sink and then it'll affect him less. And it's well, just, no, no, no. The whole thing was Batman and Superman had left at that point. Lois is left there in the cathedral and is like, here's this spear 
that is like the only thing on this planet that can kill the man that I love. I want to get rid of it. Like yeah, I, I bet totally that psycho get, with the cape is coming back I, for it. Right. I, I totally it. understand why she threw it down the stair, watery stairwell. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Batman is like, I know I don't have a chance against this thing, but I got to try to bring it back to the abandoned portion of Gotham City to get the spear. Uh, and Doomsday obviously just shoots lasers, shoots eye lasers through the Batwing, crashes it. Batman lands. And shockingly, the only profanity of the entire movie, Batman goes, oh shit. And you know what? It's an earned oh shit. I he probably totally saw a Doomsday and was like, oh my yes. god, am I in the Hulk movie? What else? <laughs> oh, shit. Well, not, even, not even Hulk. It looked like a cave troll from Lord of the Rings. But... What are you going to say this gigantic, furious, laser-blasting thing is getting ready to murder you? Yes, you're going to say, oh, shit. And then we get Wonder Woman with no longer the crappy Hans Zimmer music, but some fucking rad-ass, junky XL guitar riffs. Wait, did you like that? The guitar? Yes. Fuck yeah, like I it. Are you kidding me? Opposite. Really? I think the one redeeming quality of Man of Steel is the Hans Zimmer score. Oh, I do not. I, oh, no, sir. Oh, I love I, it. I think I, that's I, the best thing that came out of oh, it. Oh, no. I feel like that Wonder Woman theme is the first genuine superhero music we've had since Tim Burton did the Batman score. See, I feel that way about the Man of Steel song. Oh, gross. I love the Man of Steel song. I cannot agree with you on that, sir. Because I, I can honestly tell you that I have no idea what either song is. I cannot I mean, <laughs> hear either one. That so, guitar? That's how I feel about all of Hans Zimmer's music, is it's so generic and so uninteresting. Like, when you think about Superman, you think about John Williams' Superman theme. When you think about Batman, you think about Tim Burton's Batman theme. When you think about Iron... What do you think about when you think about Iron Man? Is there music to go with Iron Man? Fuck oh, no, there's not. Now. <laughs> is there Captain? Well, yeah. Is there Captain America music? Is there Thor music? No. Nobody has a theme song anymore. And then now, Hans wait. Zimmer with Batman. Oh, so when you see Batman, do you think junk, 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 junk? No, you don't fucking think of anything. Well you know what I don't think of? It's when I see Wonder Woman, I don't think it's some like metalhead in a van but with it's her like not, spread on the front. But <laughs> that's, no, no, no. But that's not what it is. It's Greek inspired guitar. Like it totally fucking makes sense. I loved it. And huh. if you and you know what? If you didn't, you didn't, and I can't argue that, but I thought it was badass yeah. and awesome. I think that's interesting. We have a total opposites on the two songs. It is, it is, it is. But I think Hans Zimmer his music is so bland and so uninteresting, and I couldn't even tell you what Hans Zimmer's Superman theme sounds like. I can sing it. I love it. I, I, I couldn't tell you what either one of them sounds like. <laughs> like, like. So, so are anyway. You, are you saying like are the, your favorite Bat song is like uh, the uh, Prince from Batman? Like when you think Absolutely. of the Hell yeah, it is. When I think of Batman, I think of the, the Danny Elfman uh, the the one that was used for Batman Batman the Animated Series, yeah. like that that's Batman's theme. It is. Yeah, I, it's yeah, not, I guess for me is the the opening to the animated series when I think of Batman. Yes. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Well, and of. that's adapted from Danny Elfman's music from Batman and Batman Returns. It sure as fuck isn't Hans Zimmer's 
Chung Chung Wow, whatever the <laughs> fuck that is. song sounds like. <laughs> um, so, but I had to research. Why don't you Google some uh, some songs for me so I can see what I understand oh, what you're talking about? But the point is, done, Wonder but... Woman shows up, and for the first time in almost twenty years, we have a superhero theme song. Uh, and Wonder Woman is fantastic. Gal Gadot, uh, she's been fun as Diana Prince. Like, I think she had some really good exchanges with Bruce Wayne. Uh, we got to know, you know, we don't really know a lot about her character, but, but she was, you know, she, she held her own in some good scenes with Ben Affleck, which whatever you think about Ben Affleck, over the years, he has become a fantastic actor, a fantastic director, and he owned the role of Batman. So the fact that Gal Gadot, who is an utter newcomer to a major acting role, uh, stood up with Affleck in that scene was great. And then in the action scenes, Wonder Woman owned the movie. She stole the show because she's fighting Doomsday She's doing better than either of the guys. She's laughing. She's having fun. She loves fighting this monster. Oh, it's a challenge. Uh, Superman is once again just kind of like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to punch him with my super fist. And Batman is just Batman. He's just a man. Like He's smart when we see his interactions with Doomsday. He's using the grapnel. He's using the gas. He's being evasive. Like... He's fighting Doomsday as best Batman can, but not very effectively. But Wonder Woman is the one stealing the show. She cut off his fucking arm. I, I mean, am very glad that Snyder has less control on the Wonder Woman movie, though. Yes. Because I'm afraid he would fall into the trap that a lot of writers recently have done with her, where they make her too much – they make her too bloodthirsty. Well – And they don't make her – you know, I mean, yeah, she's a warrior and she likes fighting, but she's also very, like, noble and she's very – you know. And I have a feeling if Snyder had a hold of her, it would just be like – you know, well, we'll we'll discuss for our wrap up. We'll discuss the future of this yeah. DC film universe. Uh, so for the big doomsday fight, uh, I I personally I thought it was really dumb that Superman had to be the one to take the kryptonite spear uh, and put it through doomsday. But I do understand why that's what had to happen. How did you guys feel about the fight overall and the outcome? I mean, it was CGI. Crappy. But it looked horrible. It looked as the CGI as like, was embarrassingly bad. Yeah. As far as like the division of how they showed the differences between what Batman does in the scene and what Superman does and what Wonder Woman does, I think they handled that really well. Yes. And I think getting to see and this goes back to the other fight scene too. This is the first Batman movie I think we've seen where the grapple gun is used like he really uses it. Where he kind of shoots people with it and then he shoots off a wall and flips over here. Like it was neat to finally see that actually happen. Well it's because as as we said earlier, uh the the creators of this movie very clearly were aware of the Arkham games. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, granted, it would have made more sense to hand Wonder Woman, the Greek warrior who probably uses a spear on a daily basis, <laughs> yeah. the spear, and I'm not sure why you couldn't, you know, distract him and just chunk it at him, but eh, it had to happen. Right. Um, yeah, it, it made uh, it didn't make a whole lot of sense just in the fact that they were all seemed to be working as a team, but it seemed like okay, this is your weakness. That's you. You take care of this. Right. You know, like uh, this is. This is the worst part that you could possibly do, but hey, I totally did the other thing. He shot the uh, grenade that he uh, breathed in. I think I threw something at him. 
So now it's your turn, even though like it would make more sense for me to do it. It's up to you. It was like a tag team match, and the other two guys were down, and so Superman had to be tagged in. Yeah. He was the last one. He was the last one. He was the last one that had any help, and he had to jump in and do his thing. Well, and what's interesting is where do we draw the line with killing? Because everybody was so upset that he killed Zod in the first one, but nobody seems to have a problem with the fact that he killed Doomsday in this one and and murdered him in a much more uh, thought-out and violent way. And also, by the way, so the spear, the kryptonite spear, he jams it into Doomsday, it's in Doomsday, and then the final, like, killing blow or, or killing move is when he shoves it all the way through him, but wouldn't it have been more effective to leave it, the kryptonite inside Doomsday rather than pushing it too, through like, his back? Yeah, that's what I thought too. It's like, all right, now it's like three feet further away. Right. From him. Like, it, it, it's not as effective. It'd be better if he was center of mass, like right in the middle. It didn't make much sense. Yeah, well, but it was. It's all about that vision. Kevin Spacey got it right. You got to stick it and break it like a jail oh, ship. No, you ship don't. It. No, let's. We can't talk about that. We don't mention that. Yeah, so he died. Uh, so, uh, Superman jabs the spear through doomsday impales him doomsday takes his giant bony spear that he has because wonder woman the most effective of the heroes cut his arm off through superman's chest which i'll admit was another jaw-dropping moment uh i i was shocked when that happened and superman is dead they have the really nice scene where batman very clearly is affected by superman's death wonder woman lois lane uh, they, you know, Batman hands Superman's body down to Wonder Woman. Like, all of that imagery was really nice, really well done. Yeah, uh, I and, felt, too, it was a little bit of a callback to earlier in the movie where they take Wally off the Superman statue. Yes. So it kind of full-circled around to the switch between the man and the monster. And, and how, like, Superman at that point was seen as the monster, and they take the man down, and they switched it off. And then they have some more shitty editing where Perry White is looking at the newspaper about Superman's death, and it shows you Superman's tomb before we actually see Superman's tomb in the movie, because they have two separate funerals, one for Clark Kent, one for Superman, uh, which the Clark Kent one... Uh, Ma Kent, once again, showing herself to be a total douchebag, gives Lois Lane the engagement ring. Here, my son was going to propose to you, so let's make that pain even fresher and more horrible. Uh, well, I, I can see that, though. I mean, that, that, that makes sense. I, the only problem I had with that was the uh, uh, complete excess of bagpipes. <laughs> there was lots of bagpipes. Somebody's I, I've been to a lot of funerals and I've never seen that many bagpipes. Uh, Have you ever been to a Kansas funeral or a superhero funeral? <laughs> I, I can't say that I have. Well, then you uh, don't know. <laughs> there seems to, seem to be a really big fascination with bagpipes uh, through both of them. Like the, the bigger uh, superhero one I can see because it's the uh, big city, you know, New York analogy. Well, Kent, uh, Kent, is, a many, uh, Kent is a Scottish uh, name, though. Kilts in uh, uh, Kansas. Well, no, Kent is a Scottish name, though. Oh, well, there you go. That's, I mean, that it, it, 
it makes sense, and also it's it's a nerd trigger. I mean, when you hear bagpipes at a funeral, you immediately think of Spock from from Wrath of Khan, or at least <laughs> I do. Um, so the funeral also had my second biggest miss. The thing I think that they could have done that would have been so good is as bad as the Death of Superman comic is when you go back and read it. Like one of the most powerful moments of that comic book is that they don't have whatever they. There's a big scene where Martha says, "I can't, I can't bury my boy. She is not allowed to have his body to bury because she gives it to the people to bury in the big memorial. And her and Lois have to watch her son's funeral on TV. And there's like a speech about he belongs to the world. Right, right. They need this. And that scene in the movie, I think, really would have that would have been yeah brought it all back together. Like. You know, the people do trust him, and he is their Superman. They saw what he did for them, and Martha, you know, after all – and that even would have gone with her speech about help him or don't help him. He made his choice and shows she's going to give him to the public. That You're I right. I hate they missed that. You're right. That would have been that would have been fantastic. You're absolutely right, and it wouldn't have taken anything away from the story that they were telling to do that. Yeah, That's a good ex- call. So we that- get uh, – during – uh, because Bruce and Diana are at the Clark Kent funeral because they know. And we get a lot of, a lo- once again, some really dodgy editing where rather than just having the scene play out, we get the scene with Alexander Luthor in prison. In, in the prison where you're not allowed to have hair, I don't really, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what prison that is exactly. Yeah. It's, it's not the military. You don't have to uh, shave your head. You're right. But, uh, he's in prison and we get, uh, it is an interesting story point though, because, uh, Batman visits Alexander Luthor in prison. And I do like that show of Batman's power that he shows up in that prison to talk to Luthor. Like that's very interesting. Batman's role in the grand scheme of things. And he does not brand Luthor. So it almost is sort of showing uh, Superman's influence or, or the influence of his interaction with Superman on his methods, that he doesn't brand Luthor. Uh, yeah. He just gives him the message, and he says, uh, I'm going to be watching you. You're, you're always you're going to be under my scrutiny. And Luthor says it doesn't matter. That bell's been rung. They know he's dead. He's coming. Which is obviously a reference to Dark Side, and then Luthor starts making the mother box pinging noises, uh, which was very nice, and you know, the general audience doesn't know what that is, but they will at some point. Uh, and then we get Bruce and Diana talking about we have to find the others. Well, what, what do you mean we have to find the others? I just, uh, there's gonna be a fight. They're gonna have to fight. Uh, it's, you know what? I'm good with that. That's good enough. Uh, I feel like by the end of the movie, Bruce Wayne has seen enough weird shit to feel like I better, I better go with my gut on this. I better go with, you know, whatever these crazy visions or dreams or whatever they are, there's enough in this world that I don't understand that we need to, to get these super powered people together. How'd you guys feel about the funeral and about that interaction between Bruce and Diana? You know, it was fine. I thought it was a little weird they were at the Kent farm, like, but I guess she had met but, him. So but they Martin knew. Knows, I mean, they, they knew who he was. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was a good kind of ending, you know, and then you get the, oh, Superman's not really dead because the rocks float or something. Well, and that, at first I thought that was kind of weird. I was like, what the fuck is that? But then I remembered in Man of Steel, the very first time Superman flies, they they had the scene where he kneels down and the little particulates of dirt levitate around him before he takes off. Yeah, he bends gravity. In right, so that is, that is a callback and it does make sense. He's going to be pissed when he wakes up and he's buried under yeah, a bunch it, of dirt. Yeah, like, he's got to dig his way out. <laughs> he's super zombie. But it, the only reason I – I mean I, I like – you know, I get like the, yeah, you know, we need to show – here's a little cliffhanger. Yeah, he's alive. But it kind of like – that means Justice League has to start with Superman's back already. Like, you know, he's back. We saw at the end he's alive in the grave, so he's just going to pop up. I think it would be a little more effective to at least have him – Dead for a little while when Darkseid shows up. Yeah, but and then I, Superman comes and saves the day. Yeah, but I think like everyone knows, like n- there's no one sitting there that honestly thinks, that, oh yeah, Superman's dead. We're never right. going to see him again. Well, yeah, but like, Batman does. Which which raises the question: in the context of the movie, why do you even kill Superman? Yeah, I, I mean they've been talking about that storyline forever. Um, uh, you know, even 10 years ago when they were, uh, when Nicolas Cage was going to be Superman. Right, and, right. You know, the, it was going to be the death of Superman. So I think they were just looking for anything to work their, uh, work that storyline in. And I think, uh, they took, took this as the advantage of, hey, uh, we can finally work it into the movies. Um, and it makes sense that, hey, we've got to bring everybody else in. And then Superman comes back and, you know, he's at full strength. So that being the case, powers. does Justice League open with Cyborg Superman, Superboy, Black Super, or what, <laughs> Black Suit Superman or whatever it was? Well, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we see some version of Black Suit, the Solar Suit Superman, to where he died and come back and he's not at full power yet. And so that would actually be kind of cool. That yeah. gives you a little bit of dark side. You know, you don't have a full powered Superman yet. Right. Well, I, right. Go to the uh, Justice League cartoon. Like, if you go back to the Justice League cartoon, every single one uh, starts with like, "Hey, I, I'm the big bad. To prove I'm the big bad, I'm going to knock Superman yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like off to the side. So it shows how the other Justice Leaguers have to come together to uh, 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 fight the big bad. And Superman comes in at the end, like wakes up at the end and, you know, finishes everybody off. Although Batman is still always the one that saves the day. Right. But, you know, I, I just think it, it gives opportunity for the others because at the end of the day, you know, if all things equal, you know, Superman should beat every single one of these people. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, you know, but it, it gives the opportunity for the other leaguers to, uh, a shine and show what they can do. Okay, so to, we've got to wrap this thing up now. Uh, we've got two more things. One, I want to get your final impressions of the movie, your overall, how you came away from it, and two, uh, what we think the future holds for the DC film universe. Let's start with our overall impressions of the movie. I'll start. Uh, I enjoyed it more than I did not enjoy it. I've seen it twice now, and... I feel like the awesome outweighs the bad. And I'm not going to lie. 
There's a lot of bad. There are a lot of bad decisions in this. I put most of them at the feet of Zack Snyder and whoever edited the movie, which I feel is probably a lot of it is Zack Snyder. Uh, the storytelling is somewhat confusing and it jumps around too much and not in a good Tarantino way, but in a shitty, why is this happening now? Wait, wouldn't this have made sense here way? But it it's not the Batman versus Superman or Batman and Superman, rather, movie that I would have made myself. But in the context of what we're getting from Warner Brothers, I dug it. I enjoyed it. I'll watch it again for sure. I, I mean, I've watched it twice now, and I look forward to the home release when I'll see it again. Uh, I, you know, th- there's enough here that I like that outweighs what I did not like. What about you guys, Ryan? What about you? I think my biggest thing is I just came away from it feeling kind of, yep, that was a movie. Like, you know, <laughs> I, there were parts like I didn't hate about it, and there's parts I kind of liked, but for Finally getting to see Batman versus Superman and as someone, you know, who reads about these characters like, you know, very frequently and has a history with them, I shouldn't come away from a movie where it finally happens just kind of being like, yeah, you know, it was fine. And so it was a disappointment in that. Um, and, you know, it may – we'll see. It it could set up things farther down the line and it may get better and better. You know, we'll talk about that next. But there was just too much that were just kind of boring and the parts that they shined on they did a really good job on Affleck was awesome and I'm really looking forward to seeing a Batman movie but I wish I could have come away like being pumped about it like I did Avengers and everything else yeah and and that's a very that's a fair point is that you shouldn't have come out of this movie with the feeling well I hope they'll do better in the future yeah right Jay what about you I have a very similar opinion, I think, uh, where uh, it, it was what it was. I watched it. I saw it. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine myself uh, buying it as a DVD. Uh, these days, uh, with the kids, it seems like the only DVDs we buy are Marvel movies, Star Wars, and any, you know, the kids, uh, uh, you know, Pixar movies. Right. Uh, I, I just can't see myself buying this and watching it over and over. Uh, I, I, in the future, yeah, I can see it laying a lot of groundwork and I'm, you know, somewhat, uh, optimistic for what they're, uh, uh, setting up for the future with all the different movies from, you know, uh, Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Cyborg and Flash. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, I, I hope it gets better. You know, Su- Suicide Squad, I think is next. That's uh, coming up later this year, and I think uh, I, I saw somewhere where uh, they're doing a lot of reshoots to make it funnier. So they realized well, the movie was uh, too uh, serious, and they were trying to mimic some of the Marvel stuff. Like let's Deadpool, let's be but- let's be completely clear about the whole reshoot thing. Every movie does reshoots. That yeah, is, it's going to happen. That is not uncommon. And the whole reshoots to make it funnier, that's not confirmed. We don't know that. We know that they're doing reshoots as every movie does. We do not know that they're tonal reshoots. But I will tell you this. That Suicide Squad trailer is one of my favorite superhero movie trailers I've seen in years. Right. Well, And that's kind of the article that I read was that apparently uh, all the funny parts uh, – in the entire movie or in the trailer 
and everybody responded to well how uh, how funny and uh, great it looked. So they realized, oh crap, I need to uh, go back and make it a little funnier. Yeah, I've uh, I have a hard time believing that that trailer came out of a movie that was as grim and bleak. As the Snyder DC movies, I feel like maybe there's some exaggeration in saying that every funny part of the movie was in that trailer. Uh, but I'm very excited about Suicide Squad. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I feel like it's not a good thing that my, my general feeling is I'm looking forward to all the DC stuff that's not being helmed by Zack Snyder. I'm well, excited I, about Wonder Woman because somebody else is doing it. Uh, I'm not as excited about Flash because I really, really hated Ezra Miller as Flash. Yeah. Uh, and granted, we only saw a few seconds of him, but, but uh, he looked uh, like... We also a, have so much of the Flash that we really like, which is on TV right, right now. Exactly. And, so and that's a tough that's, to uh, switch over. That's a big well, problem is, you know, we're used to a Barry Allen that is a cute, charming, likable guy... And Ezra Miller looks like a dirty rat. Uh, I, I'm not fond of the look they've chosen for him. I don't know what's going on with the crazy, you know, the... The the, the armor uh, uh, looks like it's based right out of the really crappy and really dark uh, uh, video game. Well, had. but I think the armor was only for him traveling back in time or whatever. I, I, I hope so. I don't think... That that's his costume for the movie. I think that was part of whatever his time traveling was to talk to Bruce Wayne. But I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, I think what's going to be interesting to watch, and what we do know for a fact, is that today Warner Brothers announced a radical departure from their plans of how they're making movies. As oh, a, did they? I wasn't aware yeah. of that. Head of research, tell us about it. So... What seems to be in response to the sharp drop off this movie's had. Sure. I mean, it's an insane drop off and probably due to the critic reaction, which has obviously been overblown, but they have shifted their movies to where now they're going to only concentrate on essentially four tentpole genres. Um, and really try to take more corporate control. So you're going to have DC, Lego, Harry Potter, I can't remember what the fourth one is. So they're going to concentrate on all that and that another person is being brought in to help run the DC universe. That's probably a good move. Snyder. The rumor is, and there seems to be sources that may back this up, is that George Miller is being brought back in. Oh, wow. Um, you know, we, he tried to make Justice League for years. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's had it on his brain. And it'll be interesting to see how much they kind of temper Snyder because when you've got the creators of the Wonder Woman movie like blatantly saying our Wonder Woman will not have that tone and we are doing something a little different. Right. You know, that's not a good – you know, you don't see the Marvel guys being like, yeah, you know, weed and whatever. So – and phage and all that. But, you know, I think they just – I think Snyder probably wasn't the person to put in charge of their universe. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Uh, I feel like Snyder did a great job with, or as good a job as any person could have done with Watchmen. But the problem is that Watchmen does not have the same tone as the DC universe. And yep. just because some 
person liked the way Watchmen went down, that's not the reason to put this guy in charge of DC. Uh, we got to wrap this thing up. We've been going for two hours now, and I appreciate you guys sitting down and talking about this movie and about the future of the DC universe. Uh, and maybe we can have a whole other podcast just about that. But for now, I think we got to wrap it up. Overall, uh, I think I was a little more positive about the movies than you guys were, and that's totally fine. Everybody certainly has their own opinion about it. But I want to thank you for sitting down and talking to me. Ryan, uh, as always, you are the backbone of any Needless Things podcast. You you have the inside information, as it were. You do the research. You know where to go to find out a little bit more than I'm willing to think about. And uh, Jay, not only do you have good input about all things geek, but you have your own business going on on the side. Where can we find you online? Where can we buy your art? Uh, as always, check me out at belligerentmonkey.com. I uh got stuff going on. Uh, I got Etsy sites and uh, festival seasons ramping up. Uh, Inman Park's probably the next big one here in the next uh, toward the end of the month. But yeah, I'm around. Uh, and uh, belligerent monkey dot com and belligerent monkey minus some vowels on Twitter. Uh, correct. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, I picked too long of a uh, a name, so I have to drop the vowels and monkey. So belligerent. Like M-N-K-Y, maybe? Yeah, Belligerent uh, Monkey and Phantom Troublemaker are both lousy monikers for Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right. Too, too, too many letters. and uh, Unfortunately, I wasn't thinking about that uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago when I picked the name. All right, guys. Thank you so much. And uh, we will be back soon to talk about, I don't know, we'll, we'll figure something out. We've probably got some TV to talk about in the next couple of months here. Thanks a lot, you guys. Anytime. And that, my friends, is all I've got for you this week. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I certainly enjoyed having it. I love talking to Ryan and Jay because those guys, uh, we're not always on the exact same page, but I feel like we can have an intelligent conversation with intelligent criticisms of stuff. Uh, we've always been pretty on point for pointing out the good and highlighting the bad. It's it's just, we're, we're a good group, I'm not going to lie to you. Speaking of good groups, if you want to find the Needless Things podcast, you go to iTunes and Stitcher. And you know what? I don't need to do this anymore because you know why? Because the lovely and incredible Dana Swanson has provided us the outro that I hope you guys have been listening to. Uh, if you did not listen to the Dana Swanson episode of the Needless Things podcast, it was two episodes ago, episode 100. Go back and check it out. It's one of the most downloaded episodes of the show. Uh, gotten a lot of good feedback on it, and Dana is is a delight and a joy. So go check that out, and uh, please do listen to the the outro that she recorded for me that I appreciate ever so much. Uh, we are going to be back next week. I do not know. I'm flying by the seat of my pants at this point. I have a couple of episodes planned out for the future. But uh, we're, we're going to have a May the 4th episode. Myself and Chad Shonk are going to get super fucking nerdy about Star Wars. So strap in. We're going to talk about the Rogue One trailer. We're going to talk about the state of the galaxy today. That's going to be a very good episode. I'm going to have a birthday episode coming up. My birthday is May the 10th. I will be fucking 40. What is happening? Uh, that's I don't know what I'm doing yet, but I'm going to do something special. 
And uh, that's it, you guys. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. Check out NeedlessThingsSite.com. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. And of course, it's at NeedlessThingsSite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.